Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Last Ones In, where being late to the party isn't always a bad thing. I, of course, am your host, Jariah Archuleta. Next to me, we have E. Hello. Across, we have Robbie. Hello. And then across the country, once again, we have Rocky joining us. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And the movie that we're taking a look at this week is Pandorum, which I have seen a whole bunch of times. Apparently... I don't remember fucking anything from this movie. I absolutely love this movie, actually. Like he does. <clears throat> it, it's not very critically well loved, but I think this movie, like, I think it's great. But I think part of the reason why I love this movie as much as I do is because I kind of have my own little headcanon on what I think is actually going on in this movie, which it's not very clear about what's going on throughout it. I guess I have my own ideas about it, and it makes me love this movie more than I probably should. Right, and then Rocky, you've seen it before, right? Yeah. I won't lie, I can't remember anything about the movie because mostly when I watched it, I had watched it on a computer screen with really bad uh, visual quality, so everything was really dark. Like when someone's like just recording it on their phone at the movie theater. And you like know what? Like... I think that the uh, artistic expression of the movie was a recording in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one in is, of course, like always, E. What a surprise. I mean, except for the one time that he wasn't the last one in and me and you were the last one in. With Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. The only time? The only time. <laughs> the only time so far. <laughs> I'm sure there will be another time and it will probably be another cartoon, but... All of mine are going to be cartoons. I'm guaranteeing you that now. I'm perfectly okay with that, actually. I'm going to learn so many things. That should be fun. So with E being the last one in, E, what do you think this movie's going to be about? Okay, so um, I'm going to not go with my gut. I don't think there's any pandas in this movie. <laughs> I think other than that, I think it's about a mentally insane person. And the movie's like, what is real, what isn't? And he's like, ah! That's my guess. uh, (laughs) Ah, That's not a bad guess. It's not a bad guess, (laughs) actually. I guess since Dry doesn't remember anything about this movie, what do you think it's about? Okay, so I remember bits and pieces. I remember lots of metal. It is actually a very dark movie. And I remember really, really disliking the main actor. Do you not like Ben Foster? Apparently. Hmm. I thought he was super annoying and had a stupid face. What kind of memory is I remember lots of metal? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, like, maybe you just had some heavy metal on. Like, as Thing soon as the metal, movie starts, like, like, metal walls. There's metal walls everywhere. That's what I remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> how much do you remember, Rocky? Without spoiling anything major, I guess. Yes. Uh, so, the, the weird thing is, I don't actually remember scenes. I remember, like, a plot twist but i don't remember what the plot twist was just the impression like oh you had no idea like that kind of thing you had that is remember people saying you have no idea about the movie no like that was the impression it was like one of those plot twists like you thought you knew and you don't know everything you, you knew thought is the not what you villain know. was bobby joe but it was actually billy bob joe well, but the impression wasn't about like you thought this person was evil but like you fool you are you don't think Right, you silly. <laughs> well, before we get too much into it, I guess I'll go ahead and I'll read the back of the box. All right. It's pitch black on an abandoned ship 500 miles from Earth. For crew member Corporal Bauer and Lieutenant Peyton, an unflinching vision of terror is about to be unleashed. From the creators of Resident Evil films comes the horrifying descent into madness for a pair of astronauts who wake up in a hypersleep chamber, disoriented, with no memory of how they got there. 
With an unspeakable horror lurking around every corner, the astronauts uncover a terrifying reality that their survival for mankind hinges on their actions. Fear what happens next. All right, and then I am not going to be able to pronounce their names. Uh, Cam. That's going to be a problem. Cam, <laughs> Cam Gilladent and Chung Lee. It, I swear to God, it says Chung Lee. Uh, also stars in this intense thriller from the director Christian Albert. That's crazy. They got the Street Fighter character in this. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe they got Chun Li. I mean, apparently I they are played in a Tekken movie. <laughs> yeah, but that's Tekken. That's a completely. Different... Or it might be Kung Lee, but C U N G L E is how you spell their name. His name. Give me the back of the box. <laughs> Why'd you put an H in there then? Because <laughs> I said I was gonna butcher their name. <laughs> so you just added letters in there. But now that you spelled the name, I understand why you said you would mispronounce. Because when you said Chung Lee, I was like, "How the hell do you mispronounce Chung Lee?" But I would probably mispronounce C U N G. Kung Lei is how you say it. Okay. Where'd you get the H? <laughs> From my lack of caffeine, apparently. I got a two liter here. You want some? I mean, you had it... your mouth all over that thing. So with basically the back of the box red there. <laughs> we got through that, it. That was, yeah. <laughs> We've had so many technical difficulties recording this one. I hope it sounds great. If not, you guys are getting so many bonus episodes. <laughs> I think that it is about time for us to go away and watch this movie and come back and yell about it for a few hours. What do you guys think? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. This is going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. All right. See you guys in a little while. And we are back, everybody. We all sat down, watched the movie, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have some thoughts. Yeah, you, you seem to have some issues with that movie. Yeah, one or two. Or, I at least or... have one thought about this movie. That'll fill three hours. Good, good. Totally, totally. Rock, you got some thoughts? Yeah, I like I like that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that movie, too. You know what? Let's start with you, then. So, general thoughts and rating. I mean, look, I probably wouldn't rent the movie. I'd definitely stream it. Okay. I'd say, like, rent or stream it is, like, kind of in the same category. I wouldn't. No, because if you stream it, you're paying probably a subscription on something for a lot of movies and options, where you, when you're renting it, you're doing it very specifically for that thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, like that's you, fair. That's like, you go to the red box, you're like, yo, give me persona, what? Per- Pandorum. Pandorum. <laughs> And it's like, bleh, and then you get the movie. Where streaming, it's like you tell Hulu, yo, show me Pandorium, and then it's like, bleh, and then the movie's there, but you pay less. It's a, it's a good movie. It's, I, I think it's, in my opinion, it's, it's a quality sci-fi movie for sure. I mean, it's not something, it's, I, 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 it's the problem is that there's so much going on in that movie, it's really hard to peg it down. It go. It runs pretty fast. Yeah, I feel like it's somewhere in between, like a like a like a a B rated movie and an A rated movie, that it fits somewhere right there. So would you say like maybe it's one of those you'd recommend maybe see you wouldn't pass on it, but you wouldn't exactly say buy it. So like maybe like a stream or a rent. Well, I definitely wouldn't rent it. Um, I'd probably stream it. But you would say watch it most likely. Oh yeah, for sure. If if you have the option to watch that movie, go out of your way. But to actually rent it, yeah, that seems fair. All right, we'll go on to you, Robbie. So for me, there's a lot of things that I do like about this movie. It, it does the whole isolation thing. It does the whole claustrophobia thing. Like 
it is a very dark movie, but it's meant to be, and it has very, I guess you say dark tones, both within, within the lighting of the movie and within, like, the theme of the movie. It encapsulates a lot of things that I really do like about horror movies, and it's one of those, like, if you're if you're into a movie like that, wherever, you know, it seems like there's something always hiding in the shadows and has, like, a sense of paranoia behind it, I would say, you know, watch this movie. For me, it's a buy, considering I bought this movie, just because I personally do enjoy this movie quite a bit. But I would understand why other people don't like this movie quite as much. Yeah. So I would say at the very least, like, yeah, it's a stream for me. But for me on a personal level, I would say buy it, but that's because I bought the movie. Yeah. E, what about you? I definitely liked at least half this movie. Okay. Uh, probably end up going more into that towards spoiler, but I think there's a lot of good th- stuff that this movie does, and there's a lot of stuff I like about this movie. To, that about this movie, maybe stream it. I'd say rent if you really like kind of like sci-fi horror, because I think it does that fairly well. But like, if you're just kind of interested in it from what we're talking about, rent or stream. I don't have a whole lot without, like, spoiling stuff. There's a lot of cool things about it. There's a lot of weird things about it. Yeah, I have a lot of problems with this movie. Um, I don't like any of the camera work in it. Literally any of it. I think it's shot really poorly. I don't like the camera work or the cuts on it. I think the lighting, even though a lot of it is meant to be extremely dark, I think more of it is distracting rather than setting the tone. I think that a lot of the effects and the cutaways and the action take me out of it more than anything. Instead of making me feel like it's intense, I feel confused and lost. And there's a lot of things about it that I just don't like. Conceptually, there's a lot of stuff in there that I can get into. But there's other movies or games or stories that I think do aspects of what this is doing better. So on a horror level... On an action level, I would give it a pass. I don't I don't think you need to watch this movie. There are other movies I can recommend that are better at different things, and they dive deeper into it than this movie does. I wouldn't watch this movie. I wouldn't recommend this movie to people. <sighs> well, those are fighting words. <laughs> they are fighting words. So me and Robbie are going to have to step aside and talk about how we're to slaughter the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I mean, it can't just be by himself. That's not fair. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Make it more of a fair fight. I guess. <laughs> I'll have you know I used to be a weightlifter, though, so you're... Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm going to take E. <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie is pretty hard to talk about without spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I first saw this movie, it was, uh... Like, I just kind of walked in towards the ending of it, and, like, I... Like, I was confused, and I was like, okay, what's going on? And then, like, the people watching the movie reacted with, you know what? We're still trying to figure that out ourselves. I mean, I wasn't confused about what was going on through any of it. I understood everything. I just think it was done poorly. I was confused during the fight scenes sometimes. Yeah, like, that's... I I agree. The the, uh, camera work did suck. Although, I do like the shaking thing when they showed the monsters and they shook it. I did feel kind of like... I, and yet, we talked about that throughout the movie, and I was telling them why I felt they purposefully did that, and they just disagreed with me. What was when your was opinion on that? I guess we'll get into that whenever it gets to like, the spoilery section of it, but uh, it's one of those, I feel like there's things that, are purposefully, that were done purposefully, but they just didn't like it as much. I think it was but... more me. I think E was with you on a lot of that stuff, and he was able to understand it. I think that they probably made those choices, and they definitely went with it purposefully. I don't agree with the direction they went. That, I think it's bad. Yeah, that's fair. I think they made 
a hundred choices in this movie and 99 of them were their own choices. Well, I guess if anything, we can start getting to the spoiler section so we can go into more of a deep dive on all this stuff. But or I guess the point I was trying to make, though, too, is uh, for some people, this movie is just kind of hard to follow in general because like this, everything does happen at a quite a quick pace. Yeah. And yeah. I think part of it is to kind of go with the feeling of like nobody knows what's going on and it's causing a panic and it's causing uh, paranoia within a general sense of the entire movie, which works for some people, doesn't work for everybody, which is fine. Like this movie's not going to. You know, the movie's definitely not perfect, and it's not going to sit well with everybody, but I'm just kind of in the camp of, like, if you're into, like, that isolated, paranoid, claustrophobic horror movie, like, this is the kind of movie for you. You also had a theory for this movie, right? I did, and we will get into that. I feel like that's something we should get into once we've... Yeah, once we've done a deep dive into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should probably give something for context. I haven't seen any, like, sci-fi horror stuff like this, so I haven't seen, like, Alien or... What was that? Life, I think it was called. They were telling me Dead Space has some of the elements of this. Event Horizon, definitely, yeah. So this is really the first movie I've seen like this, and that might explain why I like a lot of the stuff, whereas yeah. sometimes I might not if I've seen a movie a million times, technically. Yeah, I That's mean, fair. that makes tons of sense, actually, when you put it like that. To start getting more into the deep dive and start explaining things a little bit more, we could should probably get out of the... Yeah. or start going into the spoiler section of this, so... If you want to watch this movie before we start going into the deep dive, now would be your chance to pause the podcast and watch the movie yourself. Yeah, a majority of us say you should at the very least stream it. I'm the only dissenting opinion here. So so if you you're a contrarian a... like uh, Jariah is. <laughs> I am not. If you See? Are t- if you are taken <laughs> it. You, you walked right into that one. I did. So if you are at all interested in this movie, stream it now because we're about to talk some deep spoilers. You have been warned. Well, the movie seems to start off with kind of like a space travel theme, and like it starts going to like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it starts up and it's like space, the final frontier. Kind of, it goes in. What was it? The first fact is like 1956, whenever they, like they first 69 started, or 69, whenever they first go onto the moon, and then it goes off 2009 whenever they start talking about uh, more space travel, which is when the movie was shot was in 2009. So that's like the last true space fact that they had. And starts going into ones that they made up for the movie. I think one of them is uh, 2154, is whenever Earth's population starts to become overbearing. Like, they say the Earth's population is around 25 billion people, which is... What is it now? Currently, like we're at, like, 7 billion people. Oh, I'm way off. <laughs> About almost four times as much as what it is now, saying... But it, it's to kind of show that, like, for right now, for what Earth's population is at 7 billion, you know, hunger and famine is... A, big deal if we made our population go up four times that then it would be even worse and it's meant to kind of like push that fact forward and then it goes into what's the last year that they know of in the movie being 2174 saying that they launched a space travel due to overpopulation and they show the ship which is called elysium and we get the zoom in through all of the outside of the ship which we get to see that it is a huge huge ship yeah it's like a satellite it feels almost like a like a small country, really. Like it's, ba- yeah, it's basically yeah. a space colony. Just imagine if they sent the ISS just to another planet. That's kind of what it looked like. So it's this huge ship, and we're zooming into it. And it goes in through the cockpit, which we learn later in the movie. That's actually the bridge, or I guess that's what it would normally be called anyway, instead of a cockpit. Yeah. And we hear this voice or message coming through a different language, and we see all the people on the bridge staring at this screen. And on the screen, it says it's translating everything, and it eventually translates you get a message saying 
you're all that's left of us. God bless and Godspeed. And everyone looks very worried because it would seem that Earth doesn't exist anymore, apparently. Although it kind of gets into that later on in the movie, too. Like, it doesn't get to that point, but just the drawing message of you're all that's left of us. But then it goes off into almost like a dream sequence where it shows, yeah. like, this woman in a very bright light. That's yeah, gross. Her. It reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings, actually. Kind of. I was going to say, but like I felt the... like I was an idiot. But thank <laughs> you for saying that. It makes me feel not stupid. No, because, so... yeah, that's the uh, same kind of lighting effect they'd use on, like, the elves for yeah. the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And it's of this girl, and, like, she's just, like, you kind of see the words I love you being said from her, but you can't hear her. You can only see her lips moving. And then it cuts to this guy waking up from hypersleep, and you're not quite sure who he is. And he wakes up, and he starts, like, ripping off all the cords and rips off his mask that's giving him oxygen and whatever, and possibly his feeding tube, too. Yeah, he is freaking out. Yeah, and he's, like, he's completely freaking out, and he's just screaming bloody murder inside of this pod. And it goes to like this, it goes to outside the pod to like show that like all the screams are just condensed inside this pod and nothing outside can hear what or hear his screams. And he's kind of in a panic of like, get me out of here, but he can't get out. He's also not touching the ground. No, he's not. Yeah. Which is weird to me. I don't know what he's attached to in his pod that he's not touching the ground. There's like a hook that he's suspended on that he knocks, he like loosens up and that. Yeah, you know those hooks they just put like cows on? I'm guessing when they're in the butchery, it looked it's kind of like that. It looked like yeah. yeah. I'm guessing it was just some kind of harness that was holding him up, though. Yeah, because he eventually like fights it loose with his right hand in it, and it knocks him down. And then eventually, like after he gets knocked down, that's whenever the pod door opens, right? Yeah. Like, there's just a pressure plate on the bottom of that, I guess. Something I don't know, maybe actually. But after that happens, that actually like, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but after that happens, he falls down on the ground and it's just dark outside of his pod and he's very much alone in this dark space he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know where he is like it's all like this very jarring experience and he's not sure how to take any of this and the only thing our only clue that he has is he looks at the pod that he was in and he sees the name bauer on it and he just keeps on repeating that to himself like okay so bauer maybe i must be bauer and he starts looking around, and he sees other pods around him, but all the other pods around him seem to be empty. And he's looking, and he's looking, and all of them are empty except for one, yeah. Peyton. But he just can't get it open because there's no power. He has no idea how to open it. Right. It then cuts to him getting dressed, in a sense, because like the, he's in this weird suit while yeah, he's we, in that pod. It's like a second skin, almost. Almost. It's, it's so, gross. I, I want to say it's... It is super gross. It's like a weird mixture, like... You, between like a plastic and like a paraffin wax that's he, he's covered in because he's just ripping it off of him like it's a second skin almost or yeah. like or like a shedded skin almost that's on him and he's just like ripping it off himself and gets dressed and he like just grabs a pipe and starts beating on Peyton's uh on his pod trying to wake him up inside the pod can't be heard what's going on outside of it it's completely soundproof yeah yeah also um when you said that it's just complete dark that's an element that's gonna yeah, it does go play through the, the rest movie. of the film. I would like to know when he's like beating on the pod, when it cracks is when he decides to give up. Yeah, because you do see it cracking, don't you? Yeah, like you yeah. see a big crack and he's like, well, I'm done. <laughs> That's all the energy that, I got, Chief. I, I'm guessing that that was actually the actor himself realizing because like he was legitimately hitting it. You can tell like because there's ways of like faking a hit like he wasn't faking it like that bar was bouncing off of the glass of this pod. 
Yeah. But I think that might have been the actual actor realizing that he's breaking this and that they probably can't afford to replace it, so he just stopped. <laughs> I feel like you could just switch it out with another one. You just hear the director, oh, what the hell? Yeah, they don't even cut it out. Just, what the fuck is he doing? We can't afford another glass pane. <laughs> I mean... I thought that was a plastic crowbar. It is! A fun fact from another movie. There was an, uh, a movie that The Rock was in, Walking Tall. Like, it may have been kind of like that with scene where like, he just busted the taillight of that Porsche. I remember that movie. Yeah. That was a Porsche that they borrowed from somebody for the movie, and he legitimately smashed that taillight. He had to pay for that new taillight out of his own pocket for a hope. brand new Porsche. After that, The Rock gave a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, different movie. Well, I guess while he's getting dressed, one thing that he does is he actually reads the side of the of the pod, it seems like. And it says that there's a chance of memory loss from extended hypersleep. And then he also, on his pod, sees a picture of the woman that he was having a dream about. After he fails to wake up Peyton from his hypersleep, he pulls out this razor that's <laughs> just a laser coming out of a stick. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like shaving the hair really off of his face. really sick and it's... awesome. There's no way it would work because it's no, just a laser no. shooting out of a razor handle and it's just getting rid of the skin. It would melt his entire face. His face would be not a face yeah. anymore. Well, to be fair, like there would be a way to like for that to work, but it wouldn't just like the hair wouldn't just disappear like it was showing in the movie. It would actually be burnt off of his face. So, yeah, it would. I don't think it would melt his skin, but it would burn him. I feel like well, if you got a laser that's going to do that, it's it's not going to discriminate against skin or hair. No, weirdly enough, they actually make a laser like like that's kind of like that. That's supposed to like just burn the hairs off. It works as well as a laser that can burn hair, but not burn your skin will work. <laughs> that's fair. Which to yes. say isn't very well. <laughs> yeah. I cannot remember the name of this product. Apparently, it's a real product. Apparently, it's stupid expensive. Is it called the laser razor? Because if not, they fucked isn't up. Their how they no, they fucked up a lot of things, including isn't the that name. how they do hair removal now. Like. Laser that is a removal. sense of hair removal. Yeah, there's yeah. a laser hair yeah. removal. So he can never grow a beard again, I think is what's going on here. That oh. is possible. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but also, but also I would like the, to know, yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me that one of his first things he does after, like, becoming alive is to shave. Like, I yeah, don't know why I, that was his first thing. So the thing. thing about, like, the only thing I can think about that, that wasn't his first thing, because he was trying to wake up Peyton. Yeah, I know. He but, got like... dressed. He was, like, looking around. He, he like, nothing was working at all. Like, remember, because he went to the console, and there's just, like, a bunch of dust covered covering the consoles. And, like, he's touching it, and nothing's working on it. And he can't figure out how to get anything to work in there. And so he tries to wake up Peyton. And then after he can't wake up Peyton, he's like, well, I guess I'm going to burn all the hair off my face and uses that laser (laughs) razor wait why is that thing still working if nothing else does apparently the battery works and it's still like it just hadn't been used in however long there's a lot of things in this movie that do not make sense what i think they probably just use the whole like oh this takes place in 2172 like there's a bunch of technology there's some cool stuff in this movie like i love when he like does like a little bit of a shiba and then like a little stool comes out of the ground I, I like that bit. That looks really cool, and I think that makes sense in the space station. Yeah, so here's the thing. There's, they In the first 15 minutes, they show a lot of real neat future technology, and then they fucking do nothing with it for Pretty much. the whole movie. Just have it there for plot convenience, if anything. It's just there to remind you that this is future. Mm-hmm. As if being in a space station wasn't enough. Right. While he's shaving... This crazy power surge happens to the ship and like lights just start flickering on and off like really quickly. And during this time is whenever uh, Peyton's capsule finally opens up. Everything goes dark again, but it lights up just enough for Peyton's capsule to open up and Lieutenant Peyton to wake up. And the first thing he does is he runs up to him and he just starts shining a light in his face. And 
<laughs> tries to explain to him like, "Oh, I just woke up too. Like, I'm trying to figure out what happened." He's like, "Get that fucking light on my face." So you do with every stranger that you meet. You shine a flashlight in their eyes. It's a very cop move to do. Maybe that yeah, was like, his job before he went on the space station. It's quite possible. It never really explains that in the movie. He is built like a cop. We never really know anything about him. So, who knows? Everything is very limited in this movie, but it's done purposefully. Yeah. So, supposedly, according you to the claim. rock. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Peyton is freaking out, and he's asking Bauer tons of questions, like, where are they? How long have they been out? What year is it? What's going on? And the only answer that Bauer has to any of it is, I don't know. I don't know what's happening either. I don't know. I just woke up. No idea. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I think he like legitimately says, I woke up an hour ago. Yeah. Would you like more light in your face? <laughs> I have a flashlight in your face, though. Yeah. Is that what you want more of? Because, yeah, Peyton like straight up looks at him and goes, can you get that fucking flashlight out of my face? And he keeps doing it. <laughs> keeps like moving towards his face. He even puts a flashlight in his own face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it was, like so one thing that they do in horror movies is they do like the whole limited lighting thing and they like and so sometimes whenever they're on set the only light is whatever the actors are holding so that once again might have just been the actor going like oh like we're talking you need to see our faces while we're talking so <laughs> what if just, that like, was even in the script he was just like get that yeah, out of my face there's, yeah <laughs> there's a good chance that like some of that stuff wasn't in the script he was just doing it <laughs> Then why didn't they do the thing in like in movies where they're telling ghost stories where like the kid puts the flashlight <laughs> to their own face? Why didn't they and just talk like that? <laughs> this is actually the sequel to Scary Tales to Tell in the Dark. So this flashlight is the talking stick. If I flash our flashlight in your face, it's your turn to talk. <laughs> just think of it like a stage. <laughs> But anyways, they try to catch each other up on as much as they know, but it's very, very limited, like I said, because of our memory loss. But the one thing they seem to remember is the training, because one thing that Bauer says is, like, he knows pretty much everything about this ship, but he can't explain why. Yeah, he can't explain what his past was or really who he is, but he remembers every single bit of his training. And that's one thing that uh, even Peyton says. He's like, oh, that's the training talking. And uh, after that, like, apparently Peyton knew a thing or two about the ship because he starts uh, powering up the main console, which is just by an auxiliary crank on the side of it where he just, like, starts cranking it and it just powers up the station. <laughs> it's great. It's pretty yeah. great. Which... It takes, like, ten cranks and then everything works on that. I had a flashlight like that once. So it was a real piece of shit. <laughs> you had to, like, crank it to have the light. Could you imagine if you had to constantly crank that thing? For I remember energy? that fucking thing. You had yeah. to crank it for two and a half minutes to get ten seconds of light. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that's be... probably what that. That's why it's so damn dark in that goddamn ship. Because they're not cranking <laughs> that thing. I mean, it's probably preferable to those flashlights that you had to jack off, basically. Push it up and down because there's like a stick in the middle that. You just uh, go like, like up and down the shaft? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you just go from the top of it to the base and you just keep doing that over and over and over again until all the light spurts out. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so, yeah. This ship runs on light, flashlight technology. Pretty is much. What we're yeah. saying. But it's flashlight <laughs> technology like almost 200 years in the future. So apparently it's way better now. Yeah. Also, wouldn't have been better when Peyton told him that that his training was kicking, and if he did have the flashlight next to his face, just like <laughs> shining. <laughs> That's just your training kicking in. <laughs> they're like they're like twelve year olds at a summer camp. That would explain why he calls them Boy Scout. It would, yeah. But Lieutenant Peyton seems to know everything that's going on without really knowing what's going on because he's just making everything run automatically. He has, has the instinct on it. He's just guessing. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I guess, yeah, because they both, uh, the tattoos on their arms, they uh, figure out, like, oh, like, I'm part of, we're part of the flight crew. 
And like whenever they're trying to figure out like which team they are because they're like, you know, they're supposed to wake up in certain teams and they end up finding out from the tattoo on their arm that they're from team five. Also, I was real confused at this point because like when he's pulling off the second skin, you can see like the tattoo come off. So I was like, wait, why is it back there now? I thought he actually like cut off his skin and oh, got it, took off the tattoo. That explains your reaction. <laughs> yeah, that sometimes a lot of my reaction can be explained of I'm overthinking. Yeah, <laughs> right that, that's fair. They realize that they, there's weird power jolts happening throughout the entire ship, and they cannot get in contact with anybody at all. With them being part of Team Five, they should have been w- woken up by Team Four. Do you really need that many teams? But it actually never says. Isn't how it many supposed teams to be for like are. twelve years? Like, they're just in space that long? I think it's supposed to be they're taking two-year shifts. And because they were talking about that, because they're saying that they should have been out for eight years because... Yeah, so... No, they think they've been out for eight. If it's within two-year shifts, then Team 1 is on for two years, Team 2 is on for two years, so on and so forth. So at the end of year eight is the end of the shift for Team 4, and thus, like, the starting shift for Team 5. I think we're doing more, like, thought into this than the movie actually did. They talk yeah, about that's this fair very because briefly. they had Frank Shaft that powered the whole station. Yeah, <laughs> but you yeah. have you have shifts. It's yeah. really all but we're yeah, getting they're thinking at. that like like no, there's no way it could have been eight. Like has it been eight years already? Kind of thought and like, but that that's kind of the whole idea. Is like they're not sure what's going on. Therefore, the audience has no idea what's going on. But they can't get in contact with anybody. Uh, Bowers decides he's gonna try to go through the vents because they can't get the freaking door open. And so it's kind of fair. Yeah. And so like, that's the one thing he thinks is like, well, maybe, maybe I can get outside through the vents. It helps him climb out, which that little step stool that you were talking about. Cause like they pull up that stool. So he can get up into the vents and like, he kind of still has to up. do like the hup hup yeah. thing. Yeah. Hold your hands and I'll lift you up into the vent thing. And so Peyton lifts Bowers up into the vent. And since the vent is so high up, they obviously both can't get out. And so Bowers goes through the vents and through the whole vents. He doesn't shine his flashlight forward. Cause that would be stupid. He shines into his own face. Well, he also gets a glow stick out. Yeah. Well, if he has any stories, he needs to tell us. Is he going to not be ready? Well, here's my thing. So, like, well, also, they do have those little transmit, like those little uh, walkie talkies that he like that he has clipped to his. They're powered by light. I, I, I don't want to say it's powered by light. On him. I don't want to say it's powered by light. This is me probably looking too far into it to justify it. Maybe he had to have his finger on it in order to talk. So that's why he had the light right next to his face. Also, I'd like, so they have like the, this flashlight that just runs forever, but also glow sticks. And I don't know why you'd ever use a glow stick unless you didn't have the flashlight. He uses the glow stick a lot. He well, uses like the, a lot of glow sticks. Yeah. Well, the, I was going to say he uses it whenever he first goes in there. He uses a glow stick to like, he finds a shaft. Yeah. Like that. And I get, he that's drops fair. it down to see how far down that shaft goes. And it seems to go on infinitely like that so he just like well can't go down there and then like looks and just randomly sees a spider and then sees where the spider is going like sees it uh crawling a certain direction realize like it's kind of that instinct that they give people whenever you're lost in a cave find rats or bugs or whatever else find out where they're going because they're they're gonna show you the way out and so he uses that spider as a way to say like okay well i'm gonna follow the spider to uh, hopefully go you know the right way and they're talking this entire time trying to figure out what they are and where they are and like trying to when figure they out, are yeah. who they are yeah, how they, they are they literally know nothing eventually he gets caught up in all these wires and it becomes this very claustrophobic scene to where he can't tell what's go- like you know where he is he just feels like he's trapped in a sense and, yeah. and he starts panicking like oh, a yeah. motherfucker like instantly he's just like what am I, I'm, why am i in this way? how do i get out i can't i can't breathe what's going on have you, I mean, have you been around a bunch of wires like that? Uh, no. I think more so it's, it's to set up the tone of it the, is to set up the, the tone, movie. Yeah. It's just also, so... Also, the, the thing is, and we, going back to the sh- 
shooting, like the the camera shooting and stuff that we were talking about, uh, that that does play into this sort of theme about him getting claustrophobic and those wires. It's just just not knowing. Even even the darkness. It's if you see how they use darkness in the movie, it's it's in a way it looks really shitty, but it's mostly so you just can't see shit because that's kind of what they're going for. It gives this it, it gives a sense of how large everything is, but how close everything is at the same time. But like I feel like you can do that same thing without just shaking the camera to where you can't tell what's going on. You can do erratic without not being able to see. Well I'm not saying whether they used it good or not. I'm just saying that um that that that's kind of a theme that you're looking at is sort yeah. of that it's kind you're of not really supposed to get a good idea of where you're at and you're not really supposed to be able to make out the features of what's going around these individuals and even the storylines have been shaking happening very quick but it's very it really does play into what kind of paranoia is right it's kind of this sense of unknowing that's that kind of draws you in and so i feel like all that stuff is you know made that way intentionally yeah and yeah with even within that scene like one of the first things he thinks is i'm going to start going back and he tells him to keep going forward but he says like he he does he doesn't even know where he is he doesn't know where forward is anymore and Peyton uses a pretty weird way to calm him down, but it does work where he's like, now is probably not the best time to tell you, but I opened up the door. It's like, you're fucking with me, right? Yeah, I'm fucking with you. Yeah. I would have been so pissed. I'd be like, what the fuck? You son of a bitch. <laughs> but the reason why he did that, though, was to just calm him down. Because like, if he stops focusing so much on this, I'm trapped mentality and starts focusing on like the, you really opened up the door, you son of a bitch. Like... Yeah. it's gonna make him panic less and so like that's yeah. the whole idea of that right there and you know i mean i feel like what really would have happened is for a couple seconds you'd be like oh you're so fucking with me and then he looks and it's like oh fuck i'm still stuck ah! <laughs> <laughs> which could have been possible after that our little bit right there uh because he's sweating profusely at this point there mm-hmm. and he realizes that like his like whenever he flashes the flashlight in his face he realizes that the sweat is like falling f- straight forward he realizes that he's facing straight down just like a cartoon character once he realizes he's facing down is when he finally falls down and it was straight on his neck yeah well also he's dead but like so he was like i'm at an (laughs) angle oh shit and yeah and then falls i feel like i what i think should have happened is it should have been way less of a fall just kind of like slipping down. I think that would have made a lot yeah. more sense. And you could still have him face plant. But what actually happened, he's like, oh, I'm at an angle. And then he falls fucking 50 feet and lands on his neck. And he's fine. But I feel, again, like that was intentional. Because a, a big part of paranoia is you need to be afraid of something first before it fucks you over. So he need to have something to be afraid of before it actually... Yeah, but yeah, that's not how gravity works. Well, it's no, it's not works. actually... It's, it, exactly. It's more like an art. Form kind of yeah okay stuff. but i'm afraid of, of heights it kind of goes and it's not like i can walk into the middle of the skyscraper between two skyscrapers and like oh shit i'm high up and then i fall i fall immediately after i jump off the skyscraper right it's but i think no, it was, that's like... very true but what you have to think about is how much of this is going on in their heads because that's never really addressed so so are he you saying he's actually, actually like he actually just like frantically crawled towards the vent and then made himself hit it. Well, no, I'm not saying that because he never says, like, I'm pointing straight down. He says, I'm at an angle. Yeah. So I it know. looks like he's falling, but because he's at an angle, there's a good chance that he just, like Dry said, he actually slid down. But because where his mindset was, he probably just slid, or he didn't fall, he just slid, which is why he didn't instantly break his neck whenever he landed neck first into this grate. 
Man, that is doing some thought gymnastics to justify this fucking scene. There's a lot that's going to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we are no, doing the Thought be, Olympics uh, tonight. But to be fair, like he's still so surrounded by wires that like there's like that whole scene wherever like Peyton's trying to talk to him and he's not talking back, but he does like the I can hear you breathing. Like just say something to me, please. Let well, me know like, that you're okay. Yeah, like, and he he's just... dying, so he can't. But he's like. like... <laughs> It shows that, like, he, he can't move so much that he can, like, he can't even get his arms to, like, move towards the gray. He just, like, moves them enough to where he can get one of those glow sticks out to, to try to figure out, once again, where he's at. Where he ends up starting a glow stick with his teeth. Which, I don't even know if that's Bad a idea. possible thing. It's well, possible. Yeah, but also, you're gonna eat some glow stick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I also don't know how glow sticks work. You crack so. them. So, yeah. there's the is outer really layer of plastic, and then inside of it is a glass tube filled with chemicals. And in that outer layer of plastic, there's a chemical. And in the inner layer of plastic that's filled with glass, there's a chemical. Oh. And you crack it open. And when they hit each other, that's when it glows. That's why you have to shake oh, them cool. sometimes, too. Yeah. But that's what, yeah, whenever he bit down on it, he broke that glass layer on the inside and then got it to start up. Which also, um, there was another commander, of which we skipped over this part because it, after this point becomes a nod point. But um, there, look, there was another pod in there for someone named Cooper. And the pod was opened, and so they were thinking, like, okay, we need to find Cooper. Whenever he cracks his, cracks his glow stick, the, he finds a dead body, which uh, the name tag on it says Cooper. So it's like, oh, found Cooper. He's yeah. right next to and, me. Which, not and just he's a going dead. back dead. into that paranoia thing, it's very important to note that the scene where it definitely looks like he would have broken his neck is where he finds that corpse. So it does play into that that whole thing still, too. I get well, uh, so I don't, something important to note, like, it's not just a dead body. It's like a decomposed body, like skeletal. It is a skeleton oh, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, so he's been dead suggest, for a while. Yeah, suggest, like, it's been a long-ass time since stuff. So, Bauer is finally able to break a glow stick, and he gets the sea, he gets the lay of the land inside the vent while he's on his neck, and he's able to just wriggle his arm around just enough to hit a lever that releases the vent, and he falls down into a room. All kinds of boots fall on him. Well, he's in a yeah, boots, uh, boot storage locker. Yes. And then opens yeah. it up, and it's an overhead locker, so he falls again. Yes. And I thought <laughs> he like said food storage. So I was really confused when a bunch of boots fell out. That also explained your laugh at that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, shit, what? They keep boots in the food storage? That's weird. But Man, also, they're desperate times, I guess, sometimes. It but. was in my notes, but I didn't read it. Uh, whenever he was in the vents, that's whenever he actually says, like, I don't know why, but I know pretty much everything I need to know about this ship. And he tells him, like, oh, that's a training talking. You must be the mechanical engineer. Like, that's why you know everything about the reactor and why it's acting up. And the, the reactor acting up is what's causing all the light surges to happen. Which is also a jump, a leap in yeah. logic that they just make you go along with. They just say well, that's they kinda, the case, so it must be the case. Well, they say it's the case, but they also say, like, that's why the uh, the computer system woke him up in general. Because the computer probably did diagnostic on itself, realized that there's something wrong, and that it needed a technician to work on it, and couldn't find technician, so it got the mechanical engineer. Because the mechanical engineer would be the one to fix it. Yeah. How far I do you think that That's why goes. he was woken up to begin with. I have some crazy theory... This could just be a narrative they're creating as they go along. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that and yeah, that's smart. kind of the whole thing because like they have no idea what's going on. And so like they're creating this narrative as they go along because they like... need, they're trying to make sense of a situation that doesn't make sense. I'm the captain. You're my first mate. <laughs> <laughs> get in those goddamn vents. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, we'll get into this after we've talked about the whole movie because it's something I really want to get into. But there's a lot of things with bauer in general that i have some questions about like that okay. his name's missing an l blower 
<laughs> I was gonna say bowler, but oh, <laughs> anyways, uh, after he gets out of the boot overhead storage, uh, he goes out into the hallway and he sees this woman who just happens to be like just cranking on this door. And he's trying to get her attention so he could ask her questions, but her first reaction is to run away from him. Which, obviously, yeah. And his first reaction is to chase after her, saying, like, she's not in trouble or anything. He just has questions that he's hoping she can answer. And at this point, Peyton and Bauer have lost contact with each other. Their comms just aren't working for some reason. Right. And it could be just one of those, like, there's just not a signal right there, which... In the space station where you'd need signals in every single part, yeah. Yeah. But also, like, if you've ever used a walkie-talkie, you realize that, like, the signal does weird shit all the we time. We are in the year, like, 2200. Where you can That's cut true. your hair with lasers. Yeah, art- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't I'm going to go with you- e on this one. You can't. <laughs> yeah, you can't be like, well, walkie-talkies. <laughs> you know how they are today. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, after he, like, chased her down the hallway, he sees, like, a shadow, which he's assuming is her, and he's trying to talk to it. But when he shines his flashlight on it... His trusty, trusty flashlight. Uh, it's a ghost. No, it, it's just a dead body that's hanging there. And he starts looking at A ghost at... is dead body. Just a normal corpse. Normal corpse hanging on a wire. It's like, ooh. <laughs> it's not saying a thing. It's like, I'm hunting you, bowler. He starts looking at it, and it's attached to a wire. And like he sees that the wire just kind of like goes around it to like almost like it's a trap. And then he gets attacked by this woman that he was trying to chase down. And she puts a knife to his throat and tells him to take off his boots because he's being too loud. And he's like, "Does she say that he's being too loud?" Because I don't. No, think she just she said does. to take off his boots. I'm pretty sure. Well, she. That's all. From what I remember, she's like, "Hear you, hear you. Take off your boots. Too loud." I really could have sworn she just said, "Take off your boots." <clears throat> maybe. Yeah, maybe. She just has a foot fetish. <laughs> take but... off your boots. I haven't seen new feet in a long time, boy. <laughs> I think that's the best theory so far. We've but uh, <laughs> while this happens, they they see a light behind them. And when she sees this light, she freaks out and she runs away. And you start hearing all these different sounds that are coming from the direction of this light. And which causes Bauer to freak out and run away. And he goes to hide and he sees like this weird creature that's holding the light. And it's also hold, it's on the end of a spear. And they just have no idea what the hell this thing is. As the audience, we don't get a clear look at it at all yeah it just it looks not right is the best way to think about it yeah and then it turns out it's a ghost not a ghost <laughs> still not a ghost still not a ghost <laughs> but while no, he's no, hiding but from this it, is... it seems like they're searching for him like almost like they're hunting if you will or are they haunting no <laughs> hunting well, it's a ghost i just keep seeing painting with the flashlight on his face <laughs> <laughs> Little do it up. This is actually just a kid telling a scary story. <laughs> oh, well, his dad, whose name is Peyton, says, Will you just get that flashlight out of my face, please? Please stop pointing the flashlight at my face, Bauer. We're in the tent in the backyard. Cool the fuck down. <laughs> We've talked about this, son. <laughs> While he's hiding, his radio, just for plot convenience reasons, just starts working again. And he has to silence it. He's like, shut the fuck up. Cause, you I know, don't know, man. Cre- I, I'm really going to strongly go with it. If, if you're looking at it from a point of paranoia, you're always constantly gauging what's the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, when he sees this form just standing there, what's the worst thing you could stumble upon? Fart. A fucking corpse just hanging there, right? And then the woman jacking her boots correlates to the room full of boots for no reason. And then a paranoid mind is going to come up with, well, what could this possibly mean? Thus, the being too loud creatures coming down the hall. I strongly am supporting this theory. 
and I will twist all facts to make this work. <laughs> I am, I'll help with I it. I am very interested to what your final thesis is going to be when we get to the end of this. I will string it up as we go. <laughs> right. He's stringing it up as he... It almost seems like this thing is hunting him, and like he said, like the worst thing that could possibly happen is his radio starts to work again while this thing's hunting him, so he silences it really quick. It doesn't seem to notice him, but it starts dragging off all the dead bodies in the room, including the body, the skeletal body of Cooper and this... Does it? Got, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he goes in and he's like, blah, 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 and then he steals the body. Yeah, and then he also, they also steal the body that was hanging there a second ago. He starts to talk to him again and saying, like, there's these creatures on board. I don't know what they are, but they're not human. They don't look right. Yeah, Payton's and, all like, slow down, please. Yeah, but that's when it, he actually even says, like, they took the body of Cooper. Like, because like, whenever he, he was in the vent with Cooper, he's like, oh, found Cooper. Yeah. And then after that, he's like, oh, well, they took Cooper's body. Oh, lost Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> and so after all of that and the creatures take away all the corpses and bodies we get a shot of bauer explaining the little he knows of the situation to peyton over the radio yeah and peyton just being kerfuffled about the whole thing and just having no idea what the fuck is happening well he has somewhat of an idea because like they they start saying like we don't know why we're on the ship we don't know what we're searching exploring what we're learning what the cargo is and then Peyton says, like, well, that's a, it's like, I think this is built to be a one way trip. I think we are the cargo, which is pretty much the worst thing you could possibly think they, of. Yeah. They start <laughs> to remember the fact that um, they're on a ship that wasn't meant to go back to Earth. They're heading towards an Earth like planet named Tannis, which is a horrifyingly awful name. <laughs> <laughs> think the worst written... name you could think of in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sure, let's, sure. Let's We're going to kill Fuck Island. <laughs> God damn it, you guys. God damn it. Sorry. No, but in all honesty, if my theory was to be correct, he would have said we're going into a sun. That they were sitting <laughs> I was going to say, like, isn't the sun the worst thing? Yeah, or like a black hole, not a planet that's like, kind of nice. <laughs> we're going into <laughs> the sun that's being sucked into the black hole. We're going to a place that's exactly like Earth. But, like, way better? It's like, no one there. We'll be, like, you know, do what we want. <laughs> <gasps> There's no cocaine, though. And then Bauer's like, and that's no! when the riot started. But they realize that they're heading towards that planet named Tannis. And he starts to realize that the woman that he was having that dream about is his wife. And he starts to ask Peyton about his wife. But he starts to think, like, he realizes, like, oh, like, I'm a mechanical engineer on this ship. But then chances are, like, my wife has to be on here at some point in time, wherever the civilians are being held. Like, and he's starting to realize, like, I need to fix this reactor. But also, if there's I feel these like creatures... that's a big leap in judgment. Yeah, he took a huge leap in logic there. Yeah. But he just like, I need to find this reactor. But if these things are hunting people out, then I need to find my wife, too. I guess. But, sure. But then also, like, while they're talking, uh, he starts to think about, after he got off the ship, his hands were shaking. And then asks him if he remembers a disease called Pandorum. And they start to go into this talk about uh, one of the worst tragedies that happened out in space. Again, guys, I really hate to push my my <laughs> religion of paranoia. But all of that fits into what I'm talking about. Because all of a sudden, these monsters are going around killing people. Now what's the worst possible thing? Oh my god, my wife's getting eaten. And then a guy's like, actually, I got something worse. This reactor's gonna blow up and kill everybody. So mine wins. And he's like, hey, by the way, do you remember that paranoia that will destroy everyone? Yeah. Exactly. So he's like, oh, you think your reactor's cool? Well, I got one paranoia. And the guy's just one upping each other on how bad things can get. But they start to talk about Pandorum and how it's a disease that happens almost through a malfunction of extended hypersleep and how it affects people in a weird way and causes... I thought it was just... 
being in space for a long time. It happens from extended hypersleep. They talk That's about way that. lamer. But it's from hypersleep, which the only time you'd be in hypersleep is in space. So I guess space is a reason why you get Pandorum also. <laughs> One of the worst tragedies, it caused a flight member to go insane, thinking that the ship was cursed. And the only way to save people is to get them off the ship. And he just took everybody's life pods and shot them out into space. And everybody basically just like died out in space while in their pods. How is this one of the stories they remember, though? Doesn't Maybe that's not even a real story. Maybe I, that's yeah, I think like it was like a, I think it was like, yeah, kind of one of those uh, cautionary tales that they tell them. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's basically like Icarus. Yeah. Wait, 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 what was, what was the question? Or how they knew the story. Oh, they probably just made that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> just two men just sweating profusely in the dark with lights shining in their face, screaming. <laughs> one-upping each other as much as they can <clears throat> and at this point peyton is saying that they need to get to the bridge because that's the only way that they're going to know what they're doing at all because they need to get to the nav logs and that's the only way to get to them and so the next thing that bauer starts to do is he says their wives must be on board so we have to rescue them and peyton's like uh don't don't look for your wife maybe concentrate <laughs> on saving the ship dude and he's maybe like, get your head in the fucking game but uh i have a wife yeah <laughs> And so Bowers is looking around, and he just comes across this weapons locker that has some anti-riot gear in it. And he comes across a wrist strap that has almost no use in the entire movie that he picks up. But it it looks fucking neat. It looks neat, and it makes him feel better. So, okay, I would like to reiterate. So, like, this is like a wrist strap thing that you, like, tie around your wrist, and it should be really secure around your wrist. And it has a handle that you hold on to that also keeps it on your arm it's like a mega man cannon yeah yeah, yeah more or less you just aim your yeah you aim your fist and whatever's in your way feel bad for that thing because it's gone yep. well, it's, it's no no it's just to stop riots yeah yeah it's a peaceful <laughs> weapon i mean any weapon st- can stop a riot and they start going more into what pandorum is while bowers is walking around and say it's basically space cabin fever to simplify the whole situation it's space cabin fever that makes your brain explode while bowers is walking around we see somebody just kind of follow him in the background in a couple of shots and bowers is going through another hallway that's just like the one that he was going downstairs where he saw the corpse and he says well he must be hallucinating because he finds another person hanging and he gets closer and closer and closer it's it's like a sense of deja vu because it feels like because doesn't he like crawl up through the floor and he's just like oh it feels like i've done this before yeah yeah and he sees, yeah, that another other body that's just kind of hanging there and flashes the flashlight on it. But this one is a lot newer. And as whenever he touches it, he realizes that this person's actually alive. They are seemingly pretty clearly hung up like that for bait. Like it's, is... it's a lure trap of some kind. And the dude's alive and he's shaking around, shaking around. At some point, we don't really see it, but Bowers must say through the comms to Peyton that he's going to get him down because Peyton just says, I don't think getting him down is going to be a very good idea. And he does it anyway. And so he gets the guy down and the guy's panicking. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're here. When, when are we leaving? He's like, what do you mean? When are we leaving? He's like, well, you're the rescue team, right? That's the only reason why you could possibly be here is you're coming to rescue us. Uh, no, I'm fifth shift, dude. He's like, fuck. And he's just like, straight up was like, fuck you. Get out of here. Yeah. He's like, yeah. well, if you're not going to rescue me, then I got some shit to do. And he goes over to a wall and breaks a pipe and starts rubbing oil. Does he break the pipe? I thought it was just broken. It might, it might have just broken. been broken. But he starts rubbing oil all the fuck over his body. And he's like, you got to cover the scent up or they're going to find you. 
He's like, what do you mean they're going to find you? Which at this point, he should know just that there's a thing out there that wants to fucking kill him. Yeah. Right. At he least one. Really right, but it's, it's just a series of one-upmanship the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And so there's this horde that apparently just heard everything that's going on, and they start running after him. So the stranger that oiled himself up and made himself all greasy runs away. And Bowers is like, well, I'm not going to run away alone. So he also runs away. There's a lot of Bowers just sort of running away in this movie, actually. I mean, it makes sense with I mean, the enemy. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, because yes. he does, like, while he's saying, like, well, fuck you, I'm getting out of here kind of thing. He is saying, like, these things are stronger and faster than you expect them to be. And so, like, it's kind of, you have an entire horde running towards you, like, you're going to run the other direction. Which is fair. If I had a horde of anything coming towards me, I would run in the other direction. Horde Can gerbils. Yeah, I oh, like no. actually you we were basically on the same level there. <laughs> <laughs> but I would absolutely run from them. Those little fuckers bite. <laughs> That's fair. You could just kick them. How yeah. much makes a horde? Like, what's the exact number that that is a now a horde? I think 40. I'm going to Google this. I'm... You got 100 gerbils. That's a horde. I would be afraid of like 10. Yeah, well, you need a horde. <laughs> <laughs> if I had one gerbil in the wild running after me, I think I would flip the fuck out. That's true, actually. Any animal running like, what at if me I had is... rabies? Fuck it. I'm running away. I'm, I'm not going to call that a bluff. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> this gerbil seems You're very real confident. confident. Yeah. <laughs> what is... I can act... cannot actually find an actual number on this. One of the first things that comes up is like a horde is like a collection of wealth is what it says. And so so if, like, imagine if you just have a bunch of wealthy gerbils chasing you. <laughs> gerbils in top hats. Yeah, and like monocles. A horde is another name for a wealth deposit. <laughs> okay, so imagine like just they put a bunch of gerbils in a bank. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they're not even going to bite you. They're too high for that. <laughs> They're too sophisticated. They demand that you bite yourself. And if you can't do that, get a job. <laughs> they throw pennies at you to make you bite yourself. Yeah, it says that like a whore could be 20 coins or 20,000 coins or vice versa. Okay, so at least We're going to call 20 a horde then. Okay. That's I, 20 coins of gerbils. <laughs> but anyways, while they're all running away, eventually... This random guy, which they don't really give him a name, ends up getting caught by this horde. And or no, 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 they didn't give him a name. His name was Shepard. They do give him a name. Yeah, I it's Shepard. Yeah, because the, uh, they they actually say that because on his name tag it said Shepard. Because yeah, weirdly enough, everybody has a name in this, even if they don't say their name out loud. That's that's just a true fact in life, actually. Yeah, that's everyone true. has yeah, a name in the credits. Like all of them have a name, which is very unlike life because most of us get no credit. <laughs> 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 these creatures apparently just have like these lines that they hook them on and yeah. the guy ends up getting hung by one of the lines and just being eaten by this horde of them yeah they start cutting him open and devouring him immediately oh yeah they and cut then... him open and then there's just like this patch that was put on him to give yeah, him intestines bad. pretty much it looks pretty bad they start eating him and uh bauer keeps on trying to run away and ends up getting one of these lines caught on his foot and ends up falling off, like, the side of this space walkway, station, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what it's supposed to be. It's, like, gap inside of the space station. So, like, yeah. I think it's, like, supposed to be where, like, those bagels at the end of the space station connect to the main biggle of the space station. That's totally what they're called. I don't even know what you're trying to do. <laughs> like, those parts that look like they could stab you at the edges connect to, like, the body. The rings, but they're not rings because they're separated at parts. I got you. It's like like a, an extension bridge, how they connect. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm fucking glad somebody understood any of this. <laughs> yeah, I think both me and Dry were super confused at what he was trying to say. About- I'd draw you a picture, but that probably wouldn't make an interesting podcast. I'm just thinking about breakfast now. <laughs> I will eat some with you. But while he's trying to run away from them, like the zipline basically just like catches him by the ankle. And he ends up falling off of this extension bridge, I guess we'll call it. And he's like hanging off of this while still trying to hide from them. They start pulling up on this line to like reel him up so they can eat him next. And this mystery man just comes and like cuts the line and I guess is on the story underneath where these creatures are. Yeah. And like just like cuts the line, pulls him up, and like they start running away. The thing about this is that like this man speaks a different language, so there's this huge language barrier between the two of them. So they have no idea what yeah. they're saying to each other, but they're trying to communicate what they need to do. And that's what they and don't give this movie. They do the different language thing well. They, they do. don't give them they subtitles or anything. The only thing I'm concerned about is to be a part of the station, wouldn't there need to be some sort of system in place for this language barrier? How many people do you think are dead? That's true. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. that's what it was is like, just people of all these different cultures yeah. got onto the ship together, and so there probably were translators at yeah. some point in time, but those translators are probably really fucking dead. Even then, um... Or in cryo. The, or in cryo. The girl seems to speak both the languages. Despite this language barrier, they still come to the conclusion that they need to get to the reactor. Like, they both realize that, but, like, because of the tattoo on his arm, they realize that this mystery man, which his name is actually Man with an yeah. H. Mon. Or Mon. That's how I think it's probably pronounced it's it's spelled m-a-n-h yeah but anyways so uh, yeah, i learned that because it's in the called, credits i just called him bostaff guy in my notes yeah i called him but yeah his name's actually dude. man yeah. yeah or farmer but yeah because you find out for the tattoo on his arm that he's part of the ag- our ag- agriculture yeah uh division and the guy oh, so you realized, assume as much as agr man realizes that bauer is part of the flight crew because of his badge and because of his name tag and everything and like the out the and whole the outfit that he's wearing yeah and so he keeps on pointing at that badge and like, you, you know what to do, right? You know what to do. He's like, no, I, I don't know what's going on. And like, it creates another sense of this, like they're trying to figure out between each other what's going on and nobody still knows what the fuck's happening. Yep. Yeah. And then you get this like Tarzan moment where they're trying to speak and they, and a uh, man just re- recites one word. Reactor. Reactor? There's like this really quick scene where like Peyton just hears sounds coming through throughout the hole, like almost like there's something walking around in the vents. And is he starts getting his nose a note. starts bleeding. Yeah, too? his nose starts okay. to bleed. Like while this is happening, but it then cuts back to Bauer and man uh, going through what seems like this room that has like all this insulation on it, and they end up getting attacked by this woman again, which her name is Nadia. Actually, I called her Knife Lady in my notes. I tried Close to, enough. Did it like specifically say her name? Because like I know Mon doesn't actually. I don't get think they actually said. say her name once. Never say the in the movie. That's why I called her Knife Lady. Yeah. yeah, but in the credits, her name is Nadia. Yeah, Narnia. I don't even... Narnia. Nadia. Narnia. N-A-D-I-A. Oh, so she's Russian. Is she? She seems kind of like... Very Narnia-ish. Like, she <laughs> came out of a wardrobe. Yeah. Like, maybe she's from Mystical Land. I was actually going to say, she seems kind of more like Asian island kind of feel to me. She, uh... Maybe, maybe I'm just racist, like a wa- but... <laughs> maybe I'm just racist, because when I think of Nadia, I think Russian. She didn't look she... Russian, I don't think. What looks Russian-y? Not that dark. And that's actually uh, I mean, everyone's covered in grime in this movie, so... It is kind of hard to tell sometimes, but, like, the white people are really white. And although she's covered in grime, they make sure to glisten up her breasts quite a bit. Yeah, they do. Actually, she also has, like, quite this, like, tag on her chest. Uh-huh. It's, it's to pay attention to the boobs. This fight breaks out, and turns out they're in, like... There's, like, just a bunch of shipping containers where this fight breaks out. So, like, they're... 
uh, I don't it's like know a cargo bay yeah, kind of looking. Yeah, it's thing, basically yeah. just like a cargo bay that's but, been turned into a living space. Yeah, but they get into a fight there, and that's whenever he actually uses this anti riot weapon for the first time to try to calm the situation down and tell by him, like, dropping a bunch of shit on him. Yeah, by just basically <laughs> just dropping a whole bunch of steel on top of them by shooting this thing in the air. Works though. Yeah, it does work, and he tells them that like they need to work together to get to this reactor, and that's whenever they have kind of this loose team membership yeah they just kind of roll with it from that point on yeah well like uh Juan's like a uh, reactor and then he points and Valor is like hey you must know where the reactor is and Juan's like sure and they start going to this door where she's just kind of holding her hand on all right uh, let's talk about Mon because he oh. follows Mon for a bit and then she's like you're going oh, yeah. the wrong way yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right that does happen when they follow her that's when it gets to the scene wherever she's just kind of like holding her hand on this pad and like just kind of waiting And this whole tense scene happens to where like these creatures are behind them and they can see them like slowly approaching them. And she keeps on telling them to stand still and to wait for a second. And that's whenever another power search happens and her hand is on a arc pa- on a, are on a scanner to open up this door and they open up the door and they get inside. And also another thing I'll point out for the paranoia, because there's actually a few that I, I decided not to touch because I know that we're trying to, you know, go at a certain pace. But this one I feel is very important because of the fight scene for as long as it was, it kind of establishes that they have to wait for a moment so they get antsy. For instance, if you're in a state of distress, what's going to make you way more nervous is having to stay still and wait for something to open for yourself, um, like a door yeah. with a timer. <laughs> You're going to lose your shit if you're in a state of paranoia. And they are losing their shit while she's telling them to stand still. While Their initial instinct is to run while she's saying just stay still. So it's not like there's actually a timer on this door. It's just they're waiting for a power surge. Uh, Whenever they get to this room, uh, they find out that she's... uh, It's not kind of like... It's kind of like agriculture, but She's like a biologist. Yeah, she's like one of the biologists. And like she was like watching over this genetic library in a sense of like what they're going to bring to them or with them to Tannis. Yeah. Cause I guess they're, they're just going to bring a bunch of invasive species to this new planet. Yeah. Well, they, uh, cause they weren't sure how human friendly it was going to be. And so like, they're going to bring everything that they could to make it to where they could thrive on this planet. You know, they're going to bring whatever their food sources were, whatever animal DNA to like, you know, rebuild their own society as they see fit. And she straight up calls it Noah's Ark. Yeah. She straight up just says it's kind of like a, no- a Noah's Ark. I mean, they talk about God all the time in this movie, too. Just like, oh, God, thank God. Where's the God? Stuff like that. God, oh, God. <laughs> God, oh, God. God, my God. <laughs> Again, supporting that paranoia thing, I feel like 30% of... Um, yeah, losing 30%. Thir- losing is actually the perfect number for the highest level of paranoia. You know, seriously, if you if you lose too, too much, you're actually going to go from paranoia to despair. And you go to uh, to resignation. You're like, yeah, they're all fucked. Fair. Right, but if you lose 30, 30%, you're actually... Like, there's still like a, a sense perfect, of hope. Yeah, like, you have to struggle to keep the rest alive, which increases that sense. If you lose all of them, there's no paranoia. You just know you're fucked. It's like, well, fuck it. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, this sucks. But yeah, like, this ship is basically meant to, like, rebuild civilization on another yeah. planet is what they come to the conclusion of while in this room. Yeah, so they kind of talk for a bit, and she's like, are you hungry? So there's just this, like, cricket container in the center. And I was thinking about it after this happened. So what happens is obviously they eat the crickets. That made me think, why is there just a cricket thing right here? She's using it to eat. Yeah. Well, it's also by like the whole biology part yeah. of it too. Well, like what was is, the purpose uh, they need to bring... before? 
Because they have them or, all in, like, capsules and stuff. So uh-huh. did she, like, put that there? Did she build it there? Like... They probably what if have... she's been eating the animals and she's the that's reason 30%, 30% have been? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a possibility. Honestly, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> she started eating all the good ones first and is like, oh wait, I should probably eat crickets since those can reproduce fast. <laughs> she ate like the pandas and the giraffes first. Ate the eagles, just all the... <laughs> <laughs> Wakes up, the first thing she thinks, I'm going to eat a bald eagle. <laughs> you know what I'm feeling today? Beluga. We'll save the grasshoppers for the guests. <laughs> I almost feel like the movie could have not put that scene in. Oh, 100% they could have not put that scene in. Yeah. Like, Easy. I think it was just to be like, haha, they're eating crickets. How gross. Which I've eaten crickets before, so it doesn't really gross me out. But Just a little crunchy. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Bugs, are, uh, bugs taste pretty good, especially if you get some good seasoning on them. Yeah. Sour cream and onion. Not that. I hate sour cream and onion. <laughs> Well, you're wrong. Like, you know, like, get some, like, salted bugs. Good. Sour cream and onion, I'm out. <laughs> that is my limit. Barbecue? I don't like barbecue much either, but I can handle a barbecue bug. You don't like anything. <laughs> yeah. Apparently like crickets, though. <laughs> They're pretty good. They have, they have like, a good, like, meat to them that I like. I guess. You see, I, I look at crickets and I don't think, no, that has a, a lot of meat. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when you go to, like a like, a store and you see, like, Nice, like, sugar-coated crickets, and you're like, man, oh, that yeah. sounds... Oh, yeah, I go to a store, see some sugar-coated crickets, and I'm walking the fuck out that store. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was a nice store. I had, like, crickets, uh, maggots, pop- popcorn on the cob. Like, it had everything. Well, it's called an infestation. Yeah, I You're think... complimenting them. I think that was an abandoned problem. house. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the cricket thing just confused me a bit. But after the whole Noah's Ark scene, it cuts back to Peyton, because like, he never really leaves this room, it feels like. He's just kind of sitting there waiting to hear from Bowers this entire time inside of this room. Well, and like, What just, else are you going to do? Yeah, But he just keeps hearing things in the ventilation. He's not sure what it is. And eventually, like, he's, he hears something coming out of these wires, basically. And there's like this weird scene where this naked man just covered in oil just like pops out of this yeah uh, the wires just give birth wires. to this dude yeah pretty much mm-hmm. like almost like a giving birth scene and this guy he's just like the worst ptsd kind of status just like can't talk because he's just crying his well, he was just born yeah <laughs> fair fair <clears throat> honestly they do seem to be leaning into that pretty heavily he just seems like super terrified and he's just trying to ask him questions like what like what can, like trying to figure out what he can learn from him and the only like clear thing he gets is that this guy's name is Gallo. I think corporate Gallo. Yeah, corporate Gallo. And he's trying to calm him down. And then it ends up going back, I guess you can say the main party, or Bowers team. And with Bowers team, uh, they end up going to what they call the main hunting ground of these creatures, which happens to be where all the pods for the agriculture team is, which kind of just makes man more badass because apparently he survived being basically born into the new are into their main hunting ground honestly they like what probably happened is the creatures probably like broke open one and then man just sucker punched them and then ran oh and there's just to backtrack a little bit while they were in that room and eating grasshoppers nadia comments that she has been awake for six months probably probably she can't keep track of time very well but she imagines it's about five or six months we're not sure with man because man doesn't speak english yeah so who knows i'm gonna guess like 27 I think he was just born in that world and just learned to fend for himself at a young age. It's possible, actually. Yeah. While they're in the main hunting ground, one thing that happens is, like, 
they end up collapsing through the floor and basically just fall like neck deep in waste. Yeah, it and... looks like shit at first, but as we see more of what's down there, we get a glimpse of bones and rib cages and arm bones. So it's probably a mixture between shit and blood and sweat. Probably. And just human. Everything. Just human. Anything disgusting yeah. finds its way down into where they were. Just imagine like sitting in a grave with a bunch of like corpses and then someone hit that like the shit. puree on those corpses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pretty much sitting in corpse soup. But mm-hmm. while they're, uh, they actually have to hide down there because another power surge happens while it, there seems to be another one of these creatures hunting on the ground and so they're once that power surge happens and they try to like go up and try to sneak around everything because there's like this whole sense of they need to be quiet while they're in this area uh one of the creatures doesn't fight finding them a fight breaks out between them which dry had a lot of issues with this scene this i did too this scene is when you first see the director has no idea what the fuck he's doing with a fight scene it's just really frustrating because there's plenty of good action movies out right now that have really great cinematography like both the raid movies and the john wick movies are easy cases to look at obviously those weren't out yet in 2009 but those are easy cases of being like this is how you shoot an action scene you want to be able to tell what's going on you want to be able to see exactly what they're doing because then you feel like you understand what's happening it's not just about the pace of the film it's about the pace of the two people going at it it doesn't just feel like ah chaos it feels like you know exactly what's happening which you never really felt like in this scene I don't think you're, you're. I don't feel like you're supposed to. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think whole... you're supposed to know but what's going on. I don't care on, if you're like... supposed to. I think it's a bad choice. Yeah. Well, also remember, like early on within this fight scene, Bauer get or ends up getting his head hit against one of these pods, and he's delusional and he's not sure exactly what he's even looking at. Yeah, but so and... man, I'm not even going from the content of what happened to Bauer. I'm just talking about sort of the like, and I and I know that the. The, the point you're making is that it, it was probably an intentional choice, but a bad choice. But nonetheless, I think it was more of an artistic choice. Yeah. That you, they didn't want people to know well, he's a bad how it was going to look. Because it is supposed to be like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Also, Where's this shit coming from? So also, yeah, also, granted, he still might be a shitty film photographer, but I feel like it was intentional. I mentioned this while we were watching it, but it seems like the only reason why it was shot that way is because they couldn't actually show you a clear shot of the monsters because the makeup effects person did not have enough faith in their effects. <laughs> Could you imagine that? I'm serious. Like, I think that they didn't think it looked good enough, so they didn't want to concentrate on it. It's possible, but I think the whole idea is it's meant to feel jarring of like in a sense of to give it a sense of panic, which is why they drop the frame rate of it, which is why it's a very jarring scene to watch, which is why it's hard to tell what's going on. Now, see, that's something I wanted to bring up. Anytime the creatures are on screen, the frame rate of the, it is dropped, and it makes it really hard to watch for me. Because, like... It's supposed to. It's kind of like a strobe not, light effect without actually having a strobe. Yeah, and I don't like strobe light effects. <laughs> like, it doesn't look I, good. I, like, they just from a movie. Like, it makes it stuttery and it makes it it gives me a headache sometimes and i just really don't like it and i think it works really bad for fight scenes because in a lot of fight scenes they'll do the thing where like someone gets punched and they'll fly away since the frame rates dropped it makes it feel like they're just kind of floating away instead of like being like slammed into a door or something yeah and these creatures have the ability to just jump around and it looks like they're flying it looks silly and ridiculous like it doesn't look good there was actually one part of that that fight scene i didn't like and that was not for the, the the these reasons, but I did. I felt like it actually was playing too much into the action side of like those awful like horror action cliches. Is 
when the the monster jumped up and disappeared and they're like oh where'd it go and it was like perched on top of the <laughs> oh yeah statue. yeah that was so ugh, that part that was i didn't like that part i think sure. the only but, thing that this scene does is it conveys just how strong the creatures are yeah and i think that's all they were trying to convey is like but they could convey it with a were. still shot oh we already know but the like it's one of those anyways. like they went through like a whole panic scene of them fighting it and it took three of them to take one of these creatures down and then after they take this one creature down like they realize there's an like they attracted an entire horde again and they have to run so here's the thing, and I I actually have a theory to what's actually going on. We can't get to it till the end of the movie, but I do feel like just something that we should at least keep in mind until we get to that point is to look at it from a paranoia. And again, I know I'm really pushing this theme, but a, a level of paranoia, how people in that sort of mind state, how they're going to see things. Things are moving really fast. Your enemy looks unstoppable. You're not really sure what you're doing. And I, I really do feel like that was sort of the expression yeah. that they're trying to go with, especially with the camera work. And, and I agree with you on that one, honestly. And I, I have a theory. I can't t- bring it up now, but we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Once I actually think Robbie has a – I was thinking about what you're talking about, and I think I know what your theory is. Okay. We'll, we'll see whenever we get more towards yeah. the end of it. I have and, a theory too. And I, I get that. I just think <laughs> like sometimes it's just not – the correct decision like i think you can still convey a lot of that without like dropping the frame rate let's say you can do that and still have good cinematography yeah also. sure i won't i won't defend like this from like a movie perspective out i won't even defend it from an art perspective i i really just want to kind of portray what i think is going on like what their intentions were yeah yeah yeah, yeah. also i brought this up i probably should say so like uh they kind of stopped because like i had a oh duh moment so like when they're in the like shit, the corpse soup, uh, the fan just turns on, and they were saying it was the power surge. I was like, duh, it would be the power surge. I just kind of accepted that the fan turned on. <laughs> just like <laughs> that thing, just like yeah, okay. Oh, what the fuck do I know about fans? <laughs> yeah, I don't own one. With how frustrated you two have been probably being getting with the movie at this point, you guys are probably just like, yeah, why the fuck not? Just fucking fan. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I'll say like I had some issues. I still enjoyed this movie up to this point like even i guess it doesn't matter that much because i already talked like i enjoyed this movie i just had issues with it and a lot the creatures were a lot of my issues with it i didn't enjoy this movie and i have a lot of issues with it yeah we can tell oh good i'm conveying that then that's good i, I was I worried you guys were picking that up i i just feel like i've been very iffy about what he means to say <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> Yeah, I think he, he he's not really conveying everything to us, I feel. I think there's, like, a hidden, like, real appreciation for this movie. I, I re- yeah, I feel like he's kind of secretly pushing this movie on us. It's... Yeah. Quite frankly, it's a bit overbearing. <laughs> Anyways, it does cut back after they start running away from these creatures to Peyton and Gallows, where Peyton gets a sedative ready. Well, no, he doesn't get a sedative ready. He goes in to go up and, and check just, on him. Yeah, he just talks to him. Yeah, and, like, see, like, make sure that he's okay. And Gallo just doesn't want anything to yeah, do with Gallo's him. Gallo's all wrapped up nice in a blanket, and this guy's just bugging him. Yeah, just trying to ask him questions to figure out what's going on. It's like, dude, I just fucking woke up, man. Like, imagine, it's like and, when you, like, your mom's trying to get you for school. She's just like, hey, yo, get up, you little bum. And you're like, Ugh. And you're like, no. And then she, like has a crowbar behind her back and that's weird 
and Gallo's really just talking about hey having no choice but to kill the others. Yeah, like, he, he gets <laughs> like, well, because uh-huh. he finds out that Gallo's is from Team Four, so they're, he's the predecessor. So if anyone knows what's going on, it should be Gallo. And he's trying to ask him what's going on, and Gallo pretty much tells him that he ended up fighting the crew and that he's the only one left because he had to kill some of the remaining ones because they started to go crazy from Pandorum. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to justify what he did because, like, he even asks him, "He's like that blood that that's on you. Is it yours or is it someone else?" And he's like, "Some of it's mine, some of it's someone else's," and basically conveying that there was a fight between him and the crew, and that he had to kill them in order to defend himself, and saying like, "Like you haven't you haven't seen the effects of Pandora like I have. Like if you saw what I saw, you would understand why I did what I did." And he's like super like creepy, creepy and angry about the whole thing. Yeah. Should be a red flag, but the movie does kind of have a reasoning for it not to be a red flag to uh, Peyton. So they get a they get a slide there, a pass. What? Yeah, a pass. They get a they get a run there. <laughs> but it's though. But... If I was Peyton, I would have done the play I did with the other guy and be like, "Okay, look, I'm the lieutenant. <laughs> you work for me now." Dress up that he did. Part. Remember, he was yeah, like, he, he just he. They talk about commanding officers, and he and he's like, "I give you an order," and uh. Ga- Gallo's like, hey, like, fuck you. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? It doesn't matter anymore. We're like, dying. There's, yeah, there's no rank anymore, like, because the whole system's just gone. And, yeah, there's a point there, like... <laughs> and then we go back to the trio running away again, mm-hmm. and a pod comes up, and there's a dude waking up for the first time, and the first and last thing he gets to see after waking up is being torn to pieces by a horde of creatures. So that's fun. I really like that, by the way. That's a good part. I mean, it just shows that all they're after is a meal. I'd like if it well, was a also good one thing. Rate. I don't know if you guys realize this either, but like that first creature that they killed, uh, they start eating that creature too. Yeah, so I saw that. Eat- actually, well, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. If actually, that sounded very teach, but actually, <laughs> shut the fuck up, everyone. No, but what I was going to say is, I thought it was interesting that it was not even just that they were eating that corpse, but it was actually the first people to run in. So it was the interest in the three who were running away was secondary to a meal. Yeah. So there was no, like, revenge for killing this creature. Yeah. It was like, oh, look, that fuck's oh, dead. Oh, meat now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like, yeah, they're like creatures. Like, I like a lot of things about the creatures. I just don't really like them themselves, I would say. I agree. Or, like, not even that. Like, I don't know if I'd even go that far. I, I don't like how, the, like, the movie has them, I might say. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well. That's fine. Think about the creatures that but they're I very... I really like what you said, <laughs> and I want to try that on somebody. <laughs> one day. You're like, I like... A lot of things about you. I just don't like you. I just you. don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a lot of good characteristics, but it's just you as a person I don't like. <laughs> and then if they if they don't get the hint, like, could you explain? And they're just like, no, no, get out. Go. No, you're bad. You're awful. Like <laughs> uh, so yeah, they run away. Yeah, they run away. Uh, eventually, they kind of. I want to say they. It's not vents that they crawl through, is it? No. Because it's almost like a little crawl space that they end up going through to where they eventually find themselves in a room. We don't really see what they go through. Yeah. But the next time we see them, we see that they're in a room full of fog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's a closet. Oh, no. It's a disorienting It's the fog shot. room. 
Um, and That's they where all the fog machines vault. are. Yeah, they come across this vault and they go in and they still hear all the creature sounds behind them. So they close the vault door behind them and they're looking at the walls and there's all these carvings on the walls and it looks very strange. Were there? there oh, were a bunch there were. Of on the I thought they were only. I thought they were on a different spot. Huh. Mm-mm. Nope, they're just carvings all over the wall. I was gonna say, didn't it go back to Peyton first? It goes back and forth between showing Peyton what's going on with Peyton okay. and yeah. Gallo. It's kind of meant to convey that both these are happening at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They go into this room. Yeah, they go into this room and like there's carvings all over the wall and they see like there's a there is a guy in there and turns out like he basically made this room his home because it's a safe place for him. Like nothing can get in and out or uh, unless he deems it worthy to be in and out of that room. Mm-hmm. He major cray. But yeah, he does kind of set himself up to be like, oh, yeah, like that. He's really crazy and kind of antisocial. But like he seems very excited to see people. And tells him that he's going to cook something for them, so you know, because he has company for the first time in who knows how long. But all he has to work with is some motor oil. So, yeah, how great can you really make a soup? It's going to be a really shitty soup. <laughs> I mean, he does actually call it, like, it was something something dog shit is what he called it. I thought you said, like, better than cooking dog shit. Or, yeah, it might have been better than cooking dog shit. Well, if there's only motor oil in it, then the really question is, is do you want it hot or cold? <laughs> That's really just personal preference. I feel like on a nice cold day on the ship, you maybe want some hot motor oil. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like true. cold motor oil is probably safer to drink, but I'm not a. I'm I don't think either is safe to drink. Oh yeah, you drink a lot of motor oil, Robbie. <laughs> I mean, I used to. The it might be why I'm off Robbie. Now. Fancy Robbie, all the motor oil he gets to drink. Probably drank diesel too. <laughs> but yeah, while they're in this fog room, crazy dudes like offering him all this food, <laughs> and then well, they start all this food. one food. Yeah. <laughs> But they start talking about, like, a theory of how these creatures got in the ship because they're in the middle of space. Like, how do these, like, where do these creatures come from? Like, is it something that, like, found its way onto the ship? It's something that was always part of the ship? Like, were they part of the cargo? Yeah, were they part of the cargo? Like, how did they get, like, how did they get to this point? And they come up with the idea, or this theory, that because of the synthetic feeding tubes that were inside of the breeding tubes with them, like... The food that it was feeding them to, like, you know, keep them well-fed while they were in hypersleep, uh, it may have caused some mutations throughout some of the crew. Evolution, they call it. Yeah, weren't they saying it's because, like, some people got out and then were, like, they were saying, like, the food adapts you to your environment? Yeah. And that that because it was meant to it was, it was meant to try to help them evolve to deal with uh, whatever may come with this new planet that yeah. they're going towards. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I buy that, but... We'll get to that. I don't. Yeah. We will get to that. Yeah. Uh, but that's their theory because they, they still have no idea what the hell's going on. And the crazy man, he's like, oh, I know what's going on. And it goes back and forth with both Gallo and this crazy guy, which his name is Leland. He says that he knows what's going on. Uh, but him and Gallo kind of go back and forth. Like they're both like, you know, Gallo is talking to Peyton and Leland is talking to the Bowers team. But they're basically saying what are uh, what happened. And it gets to the point where they're saying that uh, they're heading towards Earth. And they ended up getting this message that you hear at the beginning of the movie and them saying that um, you're the last of us was them saying that something happened to Earth. Like Earth is no longer a thing, which but, is what Dry was saying earlier. Yeah, but like that's the weirdest thing because it felt like at the beginning, like that's what it was conveying. I was never, what do you mean we're the last of them? Like what about Earth? Like I felt right away that Earth was gone. I wasn't confused about that at all. So it's weird what they just reiterated on it. Yeah, well – as an idiot, I think I'm more in line with the people who are supposed to be, like, surprised by that twist, which I was. Um, 
Oh, yeah, we're not all on well, your level, Jaya. Well, no, I think the difference between E and Chewie is that uh, Chewie's familiar with sci-fi tropes, yeah. probably more to a degree than E is, so you kind of just... Well, that and kind of like the it. post-apocalyptic trope of it, too. Your The Only Hope doesn't always convey to me that, like, everything's fucked. Just, like, like kind of like a Wally, you're the only hope means... Didn't mean that the Earth was actually just gone, gone. It just meant the Earth had some issues, and that eventually it could get fixed by the Wallies. Is Wally a jumping off into space yeah. on a expedition away from dying Earth is a very uh, played out uh, narrative in sci-fi. Fair oh, yeah. So the, the more sci-fi you get into, the more you'll you'll see that. It could have also just been a trope of like out of all the ships that left Earth to go towards this planet, they're the only ship that's left. Which I that's I think what they were trying to convey at first, but it's also conveying that Earth is gone and that yeah. that's the only ship that's left out of all the ships. Could you imagine like that message like hey guys we uh we accidentally pushed a button down on earth and yeah you guys need to really get this cuz we uh it's gone. <laughs> it's all gone. It's all just sort of disappearing right now in red so we're not going to be around much longer so this is all on you guys. Yeah. We really messed this one up so I really hope you guys, you know, really land this cuz uh we uh we're done. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. But God yeah, it's kind of just puts all the pieces in place, I guess you can say, which is why they needed to convey it again, is to make sure that all the pieces were in place. That not well, only is Earth gone. a strong yeah, word, but yeah. it helps but, people like me. Well, it's helpful, I guess I should say. Yeah. But it's helpful to convey that not only is Earth gone, but all the other ships are gone. This is the last of the ships, which the crew did not take very well, which Gal- you end up also finding out that Gallo was a part of the crew that got this message. And... I've got to out myself. I still didn't connect those words to the same person. God damn it. You have legit <laughs> face blindness, dude. <laughs> I might. Yeah, like, it does show Gallo being part of the crew for this one, too. So Gallo got that message of saying that they're the last crew. And, like, Peyton says, like, you know, it had to be nucle- nuclear. Like, how else could the Earth just be gone in one day? And he just says it doesn't really matter how it happened. It's just gone. It was a, it was a worm. And I will say, because I don't feel like this is a spoiler towards the end of the movie, that's... If from a narrative of paranoia, that's if the Earth really did disappear, and that wasn't just a narrative they made up. That's also fair. To lose their shit. Yeah. And then it goes back to Peyton and Gallo at this point, and it's super annoying to me again here, but Gallo just starts talking about what Pandorum is again, as if we didn't understand it the first seven times they talked about it. It's like it was the mid part of the film, and they're like, all right, all the dum-dums, let's go back over what we just said 20 minutes ago. Here's all that same information. I don't know. He just talks about Pandorum again, and that's yeah. Cabin Fever. Well, he, yeah, he talks about basically the Cabin Fever, but then Leland, our crazy guy, as you just keep calling him, starts talking about how Gallo basically started killing all of his crew, and how he was the last one to survive. And with him being the last one to survive... He doesn't say Gallo. He just says... Guy. Some yeah. guy. The guy, the man yeah. in charge. Yeah, the man in charge. Oh, what they, they, three little, what do you say? Three little. Uh, not pilk, Indians. Yeah, three little Indians. Three. And eventually yeah, there's only one little fun. Indian left. I don't know why Indian, though. Because it's easiest for. It was a very insensitive thing to, to say. Into. He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well. <Yeah. laughs> and then the one Indian gave the other two some blankets, and that happened to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, that's how that's we have really the mutants nerd. now. <laughs> Yeah, and basically, it somewhat conveys, because I've talked about this theory to other people, they think what it was is whenever they started uh, consuming human flesh, that it turned them into these creatures, because like they said, it's an evolutionary, like, it's supposed to evolve the person to, uh, evolve the person to their climate, and so if their climate 
is they're in an isolated area and it's to hunt down other humans. They're going to adapt and evolve in a way for them to become killing machines towards eating humans. And that's how all these mutants started coming up is from people who dealt with the synthetic evolution to be cannibals. Well, see, I would have gone a different direction and just adapted to eat oil because there's more oil on that goddamn ship <laughs> than bodies. They're going to run out of meat in like 10 and days. That's, a, that's <laughs> what happened with Leland. Apparently Leland, his anatomy are now just eats motor oil. I mean, there's <laughs> honestly a lot of history, real legit history that supports that our bodies, if that's the meat that's available to us, that's what it's going to adapt to. Because if you go back and read about the Donner Party, I don't know if you guys know anything about that. That was a uh, 60s event? Was that with uh, Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Something different. <laughs> this is, Think more of Oregon Trail. Oh, it's like the game. It was a whole expedition of people <laughs> trying to get to California. And a dude was like, hey, I know a shortcut. And they start going through there, and they get to a path, and they're like, uh, yeah, nobody's going to be able to get through there. If you take these guys through there, then they're fucked. And everyone's like, hey, fuck you, guy. And so they kick the only guy that knows what's going on out, and they all try to go through the path still. This legit happened, by the way. And they get stuck, and a thing that was supposed to take four weeks took them months and months and months. So they didn't have the supplies. They started eating everything that they could until eventually they split up, and eventually it led to cannibalism. And it's one of the most depressing stories to go through details. Anybody that's listening to this, please, please go read about the Donner Party. It's the most depressing thing I can think about in the world. Or don't, because it's the most depressing thing he can think about in the world. <clears throat> yeah, or do, though. The Donner Party, what ended up happening is they split up into these groups, and the kids stayed at this camp that they found. And, every, and a bunch of the other people went on to go and try and find help. And everybody cannibalism because they just didn't have anything else it was so cold up there they weren't prepared for the winter they just they didn't think that they were going to be there long enough for winter to happen and they one of the worst snowstorms ever in that area happened to them on that time on the donner party and so they got stuck up in these mountains and had to start eating each other and then eventually as cannibalism in a lot of fake things happens is it comes from this situation to where they would make it to where people would die and they would get sick so that they could eat their meat so that they could keep going. The kids, they were so young at the age, the kids that were left back at the camp, without question, the kids would kill people and eat them because they just didn't have anything in their brain that told them that that's not what you're supposed to do. Their moral comp compass was kind of shifted towards thinking that was okay. Yeah, so if they got hungry, they wouldn't go out and try and find whatever berries or anything they could live off of land. They would just, the kids, by their own choice, would just kill a person and eat them. It's super depressing. I'm sure that there are other cases too. That's just probably one of the, like you said, one of the greater cases of that. But there are other cases of like an airplane crashes and the survivors, you know, end up eating people in order to survive however yeah. long they survive. Or someone's that are lost out in the wilderness and they run out of food. And so that's what they have to basically go down to is to cannibalism or to survive. Yeah. A lot of people's theories fit with this movie pretty well because... Yeah, people fall into cannibalism pretty quick if they're put in that situation. Yeah, but another thing that we were talking about, which kind of, I feel like that's what they're somewhat going towards with the creatures on this, is we were talking about Wendigos and how they're considered to be like man-eating creatures and how the Native Americans came up with that story as a way of saying, like, don't fucking eat people. You yeah, might turn you into a Wendigo. People, you turn into a and Wendigo so, and you turn into a monster. And that might be like, that might have been what they, the design of the creatures was after, was the Wendigo. That's what I'm thinking, at least. Yeah, they have a lot of antler-like armor that they wear. But while he's telling him the story of how this happened and how he basically became like the king of all this, this one little Indian that was left and was killing people throughout it and caused mass cannibalism and all this other stuff to happen. 
basically creating the mutant creatures. Uh, he's gassing them while this is happening, and they're all like basically falling into the slumber as he's telling them the story. Or maybe they're just super bored from the story. Who knows? <laughs> Same. What's I he, get it. What's he even gassing them with? Uh, Oil? You know, <laughs> gas stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things, because like, while they're in the room, he kind of looks at the stuff that looks like moss on the walls, and he's not sure what it is. That might have been residue from whatever he gassed them with. You see that throughout Wait. this afterwards, even though. Yeah, you do. Also, maybe I'm just... Well, Which I guess that, it depends well, on the gas, but wouldn't I think most I know gases that, rise up? Not all of them. Uh, if it's heavier than air, it just falls down. Okay. There are gases that are meant to knock you out like that that they use. Okay. But anyways, I actually think I know where that mold comes from now that I think about it, but we'll get into that later on in the movie. I hope you do, because I have no fucking clue. They all, like, get gas in that room, and then whenever they wake up, they're all hanging upside down, and, well, it actually, I guess, cuts back to Gallo and Peyton arguing again. Yeah. And then cuts back to Bauer's team hanging upside down, and you end up finding out, like, this guy, he's also a cannibal. That's how he's been living. Or that's how he's made it this far, is... People just like them get lured into that room and then he gasses them and then he kills them and eats them. Which also I will argue that his very existence is a counter argument to it is. the and... creatures. And this is very important, especially for the timeline, to consider that if the synthetic tubing was adapting them to turn into an animal to hunt down human flesh, he would resemble those things and once again i'll get into that when i get to my theory too i'll I'll give i'll give them the benefit of a doubt these creatures could be like third or fourth or fifth generation perhaps whereas the guy woke up well it's one of those things like they asked him like how long have you like how long have you been awake and he's like oh what's today uh tuesday Uh, i have no fucking clue we do have a timeline for as much time that could possibly have passed, but we can't get there just yeah, right. yet. Well, well like... we're going to really talk about this at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Um, while they're hanging upside down, Bowers tells him, like, you know, the ship or the ship reactor is freaking out. The ship woke me up to fix it. I need to get to the reactor or else we're all, like, every, everyone's going to die. We're going to lose everything. Air supply is going to get shut off and everything because the reactor core is failing and I need to fix it. So right before Bauer says that, uh, Crazy Guy's like, you don't get to where I am by listening to people. And then he listens to Bauer. Well, it's because he starts to make sense because he even says, like, well, she, the ship has been acting different lately. Yeah, but, like, before that, when he was just like, I'm the engineer, he's like, you're just saying anything that could make you look good i think this goes along with uh rocky's theory that he's been spouting the whole time of paranoia though yeah it does have to go with the paranoia and like it's one of those uh whenever somebody starts to make sense even if just a little bit of sense you'll go with it because your paranoia tells you to go with it well that's the thing you fabricate a narrative but the narrative has to make sense so even look the storyline itself is very flimsy right but that plays into the whole idea of paranoia there's always a very shallow argument that you attach to right like oh, they, oh clearly these are monsters i would know i'm a you know i actually this mine doesn't make sense i'm a reactor technician therefore i would know these are monsters. <laughs> well he uh, they say straight up say he's a mechanical engineer like his whole job was to make sure that the ship people are monsters well. <laughs> so yeah um, um, bowers like yo let's go but yeah he does convince him that to let them loose so that way he can fix this reactor so that way everybody doesn't die. Bauer is able to get in, back in contact with Peyton and tells him, like, hey, like, we need you to direct us to where the reactor is. We're running out of time. And he comes up with the, uh, he comes up saying that we have maybe an hour to fix 47 this. 47 minutes. It's like, okay, well, that means we need to get to the reactor now. Start making their way towards the reactor. Goes back to Peyton and Gallo arguing some more about Pandorum and whether what he did was right or wrong by killing the or killing the crew members 
that or he said that he was defending himself against and like what's right for the crew and like whether it jumps a lot in, like uh, it's hard to go into detail with that but it's just a lot of it has to do with like what rocky said it has a lot to do with paranoia and what your mind says is the right thing to do compared to what the actual right thing to do is and they end up finding where the family chamber was like you know the family of the crew members like everybody is just fucking dead there like there's just no one there yeah they look for two seconds and i've deemed that everyone must in fact be dead yeah gotta be only well, thing makes sense from what i can tell like because everything is dark in there too like that none of the pods are actually active therefore there's no like there's no pods that have live people in them yeah i mean it looks completely fucked yeah but then it goes into bowers having another flashback and realizing like no no my wife isn't here she wouldn't come with me she's back on earth which is another thing it reiterates like on his first flashback, I just assumed that's what it was already. I just assumed yeah. his wife was on Earth. Like, he even says as much, like, she didn't come with me. And then later he starts saying that she was. So it just felt stupid. Because it already said the thing. Like, yeah. he already had the realization it, it, the first yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it was just kind of like a secondary plot that just went nowhere in the movie. Although it does, I feel like, strengthen the argument in paranoia. Well, it, Because then he replaces his own wife with Peyton's wife. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like, well, Peyton's wife, well, she's dead. And this is also something... Because I was when I first watched this, I was really confused. But he didn't he say something like now he knew what happened because he saw like the, the Peyton's wife's empty fucking that's thing, and he's bit, like, oh, now I know I what happened. Isn't that that's yeah. that's a bit like there's some more stuff that happens. I think they do talk about Peyton's wife, but like Peyton doesn't want to talk about his wife. It feels like throughout it, and so like he starts to piece together what happens. And, like, he just kind of realizes that Peyton is, or isn't who he says he is. I feel like they don't follow through with this this narrative. Because it doesn't do anything to support what, what's going on with the Peyton yeah. timeline. It doesn't at all. It doesn't go anywhere. Like, what? But, but he uses it as his own motivation for what happens later, right? Yeah, yeah, but, like... There's a lot of timeline stuff with our main protagonists in this that I don't think makes sense. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that they all, like, kind of wake up with amnesia, so they're not also sure what's going on. So, like, it's all coming back to them in bits and pieces. While he's on there, like, the whole idea of, like, him needing to find his wife, then realizing that his wife was never on the ship, he even does say it during that time, as he says, like, my wife was still on Earth, she left me, and that's why I decided to enlist on the ship, is because she left me, because I had nothing left for me back on Earth. So, like, that's a whole idea of him, like, trying to find his wife. Other than that, like, it doesn't really go anywhere. No. Uh, it's a very flimsy argument on his end when you consider the fact that he's supposed to be this high, top-notch technician who was signed only because his wife left <laughs> he him. Was, well, he was, but, you know. Well, he was, but it's one of those, like, maybe he was going to stay, but then his wife left him. So he's like, all right, fuck it. There's nothing left for me on His her. wife I'm also leaving. needed a high-rank technician. If you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, you dog. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, after that whole little thing where he uh, has a realization about Peyton, it goes back to Gallo and Peyton arguing, and Gallo is trying to convince Peyton that he should just fire all the pods off into space. Yeah. Because they have minutes left to live on this ship, but they'll have a couple of days at best out on the pods. And he's basically saying, like, one's suicide, the other one they still have a chance, and, like... You start to see some clear signs of Pandorum on Gallo. Like, his nose is bleeding, he has the shakes, he's freaking out, he's being paranoid, he's coming up with all these different um, ideas of, like, what he thinks they should do compared to what they start calling... They start calling Bauer, Bauer the Boy Scout. Like, oh, you're going to leave all your fate into the Boy Scout while he's just going to lead us off to our death? And, like, basically <laughs> escalating this argument uh, higher and higher. And then Peyton's like, yeah. This is the right thing to do. Then they're, like, towards the... 
yeah, reactor. Yeah, at this point, they get to the reactor. They find out that, like, whenever was, he keeps... Let me know. I really like the reactor's design. I yeah. think it looks really cool. Very Star Wars. Actually, yeah, know. it was. It was very Death Star-y. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing about that, like, they go there and, like... Because he... Every single time towards earlier in the movie, whenever he talks about the reactor room, Nadia and Leland, like, they don't really react very well to him saying, like, I, I need to get to the reactor room. They're like, no, like we don't go there and yeah. you find out why because it's basically just like it's almost like a breeding ground it's their nest for, yeah it's their nest oh wait uh we forgot a scene like before that uh mon is trying to like fight this child creature and then uh nadia is like no don't it's a child and they let oh, it escape yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that that's yeah. the scene we, yeah. Ju- yeah. we just happened to forget we get there and it's basically their nest and they're trying to just sneak there as much as they can but because they need to make the scene a lot more tense. The walkway going straight to the reactor just breaks. Yeah. And uh, it causes Bauer to fall off the side of it, and he's just hanging on, which Nadia, her first thought is to start running towards him and like gra- or try to pull him up, and which causes the walkway to break yeah. even more. And Mon. Which, yeah, the, you find out that Mon. Best character. Yeah, you find out that Mon <laughs> has superhuman strength because he's like holding up this uh, walkway while they're both on it. So however heavy this walkway is at about three or 400 pounds and he's holding it up. He's also doing this of one. Yeah, arm, He's doing this. He's using arm. the other one to stabilize yeah. himself. Strongest motherfucker in the world. Yeah. He's a farmer. <laughs> True. Yeah. How do you think the corn gets shucked? Machine. Strong man. Who do you think too. lifts that machine to the field? Another Mon machine. Man. <laughs> a machine called Mon. <laughs> They couldn't even get a machine for him because he was still faster. You know what the best power in the world is? Mon power. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> While he's holding this up, like they end up just kind of like, I guess, strategically dropping Bauer. So that way... Um... I thought he just fell, but that yeah, makes more sense. I don't know. They kind of nodded to each other beforehand, though. That's why I said that. He's like, but... hey, I'm falling. She's like, yep. <laughs> but it's like a strategic falling so he doesn't fall directly into this pit of or this nest of creatures that are going to eat him alive he just like falls onto this uh beam that's underneath him and she crawls over to the other side of the reactor mon is still holding up this walkway this entire time yeah. oh yeah and we were thinking why doesn't he let it go but actually that would be a bad idea yeah because they're, they're, they're trying to be as quiet as humanly possible because this, this nest game. is sleeping yeah. yeah if they make any noise nest is waking up and Nest is angry. Well, I guess because they're supposed to be creatures, but it feels kind of weird there's not, like, a watch creature to watch over the Nest. I mean, what do they have to watch over? They're the strongest things in... Food? Like, it, I mean, food I mean, to be fair, like, like that. Yeah, well, I was going to say, these are, like, very feral creatures. I don't think they think that far ahead. I don't know. Feral creatures usually have, like, a watch thing. If you have a, a predator that's after you, then maybe, but... Yeah, this, it doesn't seem like they value humans as when, anything yeah, more I was than say, just whenever they're the apex on. predator on the ship i don't think they really need a watch uh whenever he goes down like has the scene where bowers is trying to sneak through this nest and he just like wraps himself in this skin that he just finds down there just like this raw skin and it's a way to cover up his scent it's also a way to cover up how he looks so he looks a little bit more like the creatures i don't know I'm if guessing. i think that second part is true but maybe i mean i that that's my thought process at least yeah, I think it was to look like them. But it, it's also because, like, if there's anything they can take from that scene with Shepard when he's just uh, covering himself in oil is to take away the fact that he's covering up his scent. But that also might just feed into the whole paranoia thing of it, so... 
I would be more willing to bet that he's just kind of paranoid and just. And yeah, it probably hide. is just him being paranoid and thinking like, I need to cover up my scent. I need to cover up the way that I look. I need to look and smell more like them. So he just happens to find skin that's laying around. He wraps himself in the skin that I'm assuming smells more like them. I don't know. I thought it was human skin personally. It could have been. I think. I think some. I think it. Some of it is human skin, and then others. It's just like random yeah. pieces of weird. But shit. it's just something to cover him up while he's trying to sneak through just this. Just shat himself and then smeared that all over himself to cover the scent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while he's trying to sneak through, eventually Leland ends up dropping a flashlight down for plot convenience reasons. Yeah, because he's, he's just a dick sometimes. Yeah. Well, he's just a dick and apparently doesn't hold on to things very well. He needs to learn to flash it in his face. <laughs> it's all flashlights are really good for. Yeah, you flash it in your face, get yeah. sweaty, and start making ghost sounds. <laughs> he drops that. But and also, then, uh, Nadia goes to the reactor and just hits some buttons. Yeah, she seems to know what the fuck she's doing. I think she just guessed and hoped it didn't blow up. I think something entirely different. I think they're making all this shit up in their heads. So they're just doing weird shit to the reactor. They don't even know what the fuck they're doing because they're paranoid as fuck. <laughs> That's my theory. The reactor's just perfectly fine and it's like, condition, stable. <laughs> it- does cut back to Gallo and Peyton arguing again. And Gallo, like, the one thing that really stands out for that scene, because he's Lieutenant Peyton, but he calls him Corporal at one point in time and then tells him that they'll never forgive him for what he did or, or they'll never forget it either. And once again, argument between them just keeps escalating and escalating higher and higher. Eventually, Bauer gets to the reactor the, and he starts to fix it up. During this time, the fight between Gallo, it doesn't even really show how, just like Gallo somehow gets the sedative and he's like holding it to the, Peyton's neck and telling him to put him in the pod. And so he puts him in the pod and tells him to eject him. And instead, what he does is he uses an injection simulation system to, like, make sure all the systems are up and running, I guess. It's a way to lock him in there so that way he can't hurt him or other people around him. And I'd assume the answer is yes, but, like, can you just eject one person with their system? Because it seems like if you hit the eject, it ejects everything. The way the, the movie establishes it, if it's on the pod itself, it ejects just that one pod. But if it, you press it on the main console, it ejects everybody. Because, yeah, like pods. that, uh, <laughs> That whenever they first talked about Pandorum and how that guy basically shot all the pods out, yeah, he, had to hit he, the key. He, or he ended up hitting eject on the main console. But for that scene right there, he was just doing it on the little console that was on the pod itself. I'll buy that. So I guess it's kind of like uh, if you're in a group email, it's a difference between reply and reply to all. <laughs> Very similar stakes, too. Super similar. <laughs> it goes to that scene, and like they're arguing some more, and it gets to the point where like, uh, Peyton doesn't want to have to hear what Gallo says anymore, so he just mutes him because apparently there's just speakers on the inside and outside of this thing so that people can talk if they're inside the pod for plot-convenient reasons. Yep. No, that makes sense in general. I would like to be able to talk to the person about to eject me sometimes. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you wake up early in one of those pods, but... Even just, like, I'm in the pod, I'm like, hey, wait, I take it back, please don't eject me. That's true, you want some kind of communication. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, he does mute him to tell him, like, shut up, because I don't want to have to listen to what you have to say anymore. But even after he hits mute, he can still hear that Gallo talking to him, which causes him to start freaking out even more. Because during this entire Which time- is actually really cool, because... It goes from the communication aspect because that's like a note of possibility. But when that possibility is eradicated, it's like, well, fuck it. Then you could just hear him like he's in the fucking room, right? Yeah, yeah. and it all just like that was kind of cool. plays off to the paranoia. And like it shows that Peyton is starting to show signs of Pandorum himself but, from uh, everything that's going on. Especially because they say that Pandorum is uh, also an emotional response of stuff that happens in deep space after yeah. being in hypersleep. Or PTSD, it said, was another... 
It is, and that PTSD is a higher emotional response, so it does make sense for that too. Yeah. And so with them possibly dying within the next couple of minutes, along with this guy arguing with him the entire time, it causes a huge emotional reaction to happen to him and causes, you know, the symptoms of Pandorum to, you know, set in further and further and further for him. And during, but during this time, Bauer ends up fixing the reactor and getting it. Well, it okay, we're missing a vital part. Uh, they wake up the creatures. Whenever, yeah, Leland dropped that flashlight, it woke up uh, the creatures. Yeah, but like, so also this... we did miss the fact that like after it woke up the creatures, like Mon decided that he wasn't going to hold that. He was like, fuck walk, it. Yeah, he wasn't going to hold that walkway anymore, and he dropped it on top of the, those creatures and like started yelling at them to like get their attention so they can fix this reactor yeah. and hopefully save or save the ship. And Leland runs away as well. So um, they just start twisting shit and yeah. hoping that it works. Pretty much. And I could have swore I read dislodging uh, whenever he uh, got the reactor up and running again. So it's like discharging. Got, or discharging, yeah. Mm-hmm. And whenever it discharges... Said it, like, unexploding time. Yeah, it, like, it just discharges this fucking blue ray of light into the nest and apparently kills a whole bunch of these creatures. It looked like it was like so, launching, basically. Purge, right? So when you purge, purge the uh, reactor, yeah, purge, have yeah that, that's, you have to have somewhere to go with it. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, they're just purging the reactor Again, by releasing the, it a looks, huge amount of it energy. It feels like it's a bad design, though, to do that and, like, does it to the escapes as it looks like it will do later. You know what's interesting? I don't know anything about reactors, but a lot of uh, movies and stuff where they do, like, the reactor purge, it's very common to see, like, that shockwave go underneath the reactor and... It's eradicate everything that's down there. I've seen that a few times in movies. I don't know if that's I think that part's thing. true. I don't think any of us know enough about nuclear reactors because it okay. does say in the movie that it is, it is a nuclear reactor. Yeah, it has to go somewhere, like yeah. Dry was saying. I mean, yeah. nuclear reactors do have to have a discharge. Yeah. My no thing idea. is, like, the way it's set up is, like, it discharged so much that it starts, like, going towards the exits. That does That's just a bad design if that's how that works. Yeah, I mean... I would argue this entire space station is a bad design. Well, yes. There's just a button that you can press that makes everybody not be able to leave, or it makes everybody leave all at once. <laughs> well, the that's convenient. It's super convenient. I think the super eject actually is something that should be there in case like they're about to hit a meteor. Yeah, but maybe have a couple keys to do it. Don't just they had the one that's like an amp. Oh, okay. <laughs> It just, so, I'm just saying it shouldn't be a button on a desk. As long as you don't have the rock star trying button. to hick, hook up his guitar, you should be fine. <laughs> Super eject? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you really sure? Yes. Well, then I guess it's fine. <laughs> just like launch <laughs> I also want the computer to say it that way. Too. Are you really sure? It seems Are you like really it might for be a real? For idea. real? Sure? Yeah. Really? 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 Hey, is there a I meteor? See, I see you're trying to eject all the escape pods. How can I help? <laughs> God damn it, Luffy. So uh, they're all running from the like, the reactor because it's discharging. The... Yeah, during this time, uh, because Peyton can actually hear Gallo, even though Gallo is muted, he, he then like also looks at, uh, at the pod, and he's not in the pod anymore, even though the pod is you know locked down. Mm-hmm. And... It's destroyed as fucked a little bit. Yeah, it's like yeah. broken. Mm-hmm. But then this fight breaks out between Peyton and Gallo, and during this time, Gallo ends up giving the sedative to Peyton, and during this time, like, their bodies start combining together, and it kind of just, like, more or less tells you that... Yeah, like, you remember that sex scene in uh, The End of Days? It's, like... (laughs) It's a little bit like that, actually. Yeah, Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is kind of like that, but it's to show that 
Peyton and Gallo are the same person. Yeah. Like, all like their the, numbers like, are the exact same. Yeah. They're the exact same person. This is all happening inside of his head. This was never Peyton to begin with. This was Gallo the entire time. Which I just wasn't that shocking. It felt like that's the thing that was going to happen. Yeah. I it was pretty clear early on that he had Pandorum. I got that part. I didn't think they were the same person. Although, as you point out, that might just be my face blindness. As I didn't even think Gallo was the same person from the flashback and then the second flashback and then the third flashback that was like, hey, this is the same person. And it wasn't until they were like, Gallo, it was you the whole time. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm 100% starting to think you actually have face blindness. I might. It might. It would explain a lot. <laughs> well, after that, it goes to a scene where they're running and somehow uh, Nadia and Bauer had like somewhat caught up with Leland, but Leland realized yeah. that he's being tailed by them while they're being tailed by yet another horde of these creatures. So Leland cuts off their path. Yep, he just but cuts they off also their path. cut off the horde path. Yeah. While ha- this is going on, yeah. our awesome farmer dude thinks he escapes from everybody except for one and so they have a honorable fight between them yeah that one tosses or mon his staff back and they have a little fight and mon actually ends up after an annoying fight that didn't really be as long as it was um mon kills him and then he's about to leave and he sees a child there he's about to kill a child he's like wait no no nadia's right this is a child i won't kill it and then the child slits his throat See, I have an issue with this because Mon Super still seemed like he'd be down to kill a child. I don't think he would have hesitated here. I think that's not his character. This actually was just a bad scene. Yeah. yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest. I hated this like, scene. Mon deserved more. He did. I wanted him to get butchered along with everybody else. I think it would have made sense if he was like said something in his language and helped, tried to hold off the Horde, and that's how he died, that would make way more sense. Yeah, if, I he, don't if he died he... fighting the Horde or he escaped or after, or after defeating that one creature, both of those would have yeah. made more sense. I mean, but... I, I knew he was going to die because they didn't even bother giving him a name or letting him speak English, <laughs> but I really don't think he should have died. I think he should have been able to escape. I think the coolest thing would be when, like, everything... Uh, I'll say it later because, spoilers, sorry. But I'll, uh, when we get to, like, the climax, remind me, and I'll say what I think should have happened. I also have a thing of what I think should have happened. Yeah, so... Uh, Anyways, it does go off to E's favorite scene in the movie, wherever we... Leland gets to uh, Gallo now. And Gallo just, like, takes the needle from the... Some stuff okay, happens it. with a needle. Yeah. Gallo kills Leland and starts making his way up to the flight deck. And then also while Bowers and Nadia are making their way up to the flight deck... And they meet up with Gallows there, and there's this confrontation scene between the two of them. And they start to realize, like, oh, you're not who you say you were. Like, who are you really? While they're also trying to bring up the flight coordinations to figure out where they are, too. So they finally get to the bridge, and Peyton is very clearly there. And he's just all the way into Pandorum. He's oh, yeah. not fighting He's totally anymore. in it. Like, he's, this is when I start to have a huge problem with our main character, because... He starts to say he remembers everything now, too. And it seems clear that Bauer and Peyton have a history, but how? The only thing I could think of is at the beginning of the movie, they say they're both on the same flight team. Yeah, so they're on the same flight team, but why is Peyton so much older? Also, Peyton killed his flight team. So, but even Peyton is confused over this whole thing, too. No, he says everything's clear now. Well, no, because, like, no, whenever well, he says, like, him, how do you know? Yeah, he does that, like, Peyton, Peyton like, oh, now Gallo. Gallo asks him, how do you know that? Like, how do you know all this? 
Yeah. And he just never explains how he knows all of yeah. it. Yeah, so how does he know all this? How are the, they supposed to be part of the same flight crew? Why the is only one thing of so much older? I have a theory. My theory about that is whenever uh, whenever Gallo starts killing everybody, Bowers decided that he was going to run back into his pod and went back into hypersleep because that's the only safe way that he could get away from him. I have a better theory. <laughs> wow! What is your better theory? <laughs> I can't say yet. It's going to be spoiler stuff, but I'll, I'll get into it. Gallo is actually... But I do have a theory for that. <laughs> and this is when... This is whenever the Bowers open... starts going through Pandorum because it's plot convenient. I mean, I mean he kind of has kinda... hints at it throughout the. I movie. mean, it's because he sure. he realizes that uh, that Gallows is going through Pandorum, and like he says, like you know w- what you're saying isn't clear or isn't a clear and precise way of thinking. It's a way that Pandorum makes you think, and it's their argument on whether Pandorum is the right way to think about all this or not. But he starts going crazy, and he shoots. Well, first, well, like yeah, before uh, we get there. They did bring up the nav computer, and then yeah. also whenever they asked where they are, uh, that's whenever Gallows actually opens up the, I guess you can say the shutters yeah. to the main flight deck, and, Nadia, and Nadia's there's like, no stars. Yeah, Nadia's like, where are the stars? Yeah, it's just completely black outside of the ship. And all this time, the the nav, our navigation log is going through their flight coordination and like how long they've been on the mission. It says it very briefly, but they were on the mission. The mission was supposed to take 123 years. But they've been on it for 923 years, so their 800 years are too long, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And during this time, uh, they end up just uh, kind of hearing these wait, like almost like these whale sounds, and they see these bioluminescent creatures that are like flying outside the ship. Turns out they're underwater. They crash landed on this planet, probably like hundreds of years ago, apparently. Who knows and how long? Ago. Yeah, who knows yeah. how long ago? Also, I really like the sea animals. I think they look really neat. Yeah. And the, it is one thing that Gallows even says to them, too. Just like, oh, it looks like this ship does land itself. Apparently, it doesn't float very well, though. Get into the fight a little bit more. And during this time, like, Gallows is just super trying to push the idea of Pandorum into his head by co- like by trying to make Bowers panic. And eventually, it starts to set into Bowers. And Bowers thinks that these creatures are starting to break into the flight deck room. And as they're breaking into the flight deck room, what Dry was saying... He goes crazy, thinks they're, like, breaking through the walls, breaking through all the vents, and he shoots at what he thinks is one of them coming through, and it turns out it was actually just the flight nav that he destroyed. So, they can't actually just escape now like they would have. I mean, I think he just shot a wall. I don't think he shot the actual nav. He shot a bunch of wires. Yeah, Yeah, there's, like, a bunch of stuff hanging out the wall. So, something else. He shot something important. important. He he did shoot something important. I'm not gonna deny that, but I don't think it was the actual nav computer. I think the nav computer is at that chair that Gallows was sitting at maybe, and but, then, like, but all uh, this while, while he's going cray cray, Gallows is over there trying to kill Nadia. While he shot this wall, one of the panelings shot like shot past him and ended up hitting one of the windows, which wasn't really meant to hold back an ocean. It was just meant to hold back the vacuum of space, so it left this nice crack on the window, and which causes the it causes the uh, flight deck room to start to flood and. Instead of running away like a normal person would, Gallows just sits back in the chair and covers his head. He gets in the splash zone. But while this is going on, Nadia and Bowers are running away and they get into the pod. And they're in there and there's water flooding everywhere. And Bowers is like, do you see that? Do you see that? And all Nadia says is, fuck him. So, <laughs> did she say that? Yeah, really? I think she did. Cause it's like, either fuck him or forget about him or something like that. The thing that I think is important in the scene, which I think would go on to help probably Robbie and Rocky's theories in some ways is that Nadia doesn't say specifically forget this creature right here. She says, forget him, Yeah, which could easily refer to forget gallows. 
we're basically at the part. So here's what I think how Mon should have ended. He should have won that fight, started running, and then he gets there and it's already flooding. And he decides he's just going to swim up the flooding waterfall through the crack and all the way to the top. Oh, that's not what I thought was going should have happened at all. Um, <laughs> the thing that I think should have happened is... Because um, let's get to the ending and then I'll say it. Yeah. Nadia and... Uh, Bowers get into the pod and they shoot it out and all of the pods go out because everything's flooding. Because yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, the computer system sees that there's a hole breach and its emergency evacuation system hits and all the pods that are still uh, occupied at that time it dis- or decides to uh, you know shoot all of them out. So every pod goes out, shoot through the ocean surface. They all get to the ocean surface. It's this beautiful land. All the pods are safe. Happy ending. They're on their planet. Uh, it shows Tani. Tennis, yeah, tennis. Yeah. I don't know. I almost called Tanya. Uh, <laughs> tennis are year one are with one thousand two hundred thirteen people out of six thousand people that survived the trip, which is actually pretty good odds. Um, but yeah, what I think should have happened is I think Bauer should have died, and I think it would have been a way more interesting ending if it was Nadia and Mon that lived and escaped. Probably. Well, yeah. it kind of set up almost that Bowers could have died uh, on the ejection way out because he does give Nadia his uh, oxygen mask while he's basically drowning inside of this pod while it's trying to get up to the surface. Yeah, but then once they're at the surface, they're both standing up and everything's fine. Also, so I should like I would like to know something. So like the way the ship's evacuation thing goes, it shoots like a like radial kind of shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people probably just got stuck. Yeah, because the quite ship possible. was on the bottom of the ocean. Yep, and it's quite possible that not everybody that there were other pods that were occupied and people were still alive in it that just did not survive. Yeah, being because they just went straight into the ocean floor. <laughs> that, was fun, that would suck. It? But yeah, they're asleep. <laughs> Since we're here, before you guys get into your theories, I really, really hate how they don't talk about Bowers and his connection with Gallows because there's a clear connection there, and. The age difference is huge, so what could the connection possibly even be? There's one thing that Peyton actually says, or Gallows or whatever you want to call him at this point. He does say, I was younger than you whenever we first got onto the ship. So at some point in time, he's just spent a lot of, he spent more time than he was supposed to being awake and decided that, maybe like, for some reason decided that he was done with the ship and he went back into hypersleep. Yeah, but like, that's the thing. If he was going through Pandorum and killing everybody, then even if Bowers went into hypersleep, why wouldn't he wake him up right there and just kill him? There's no excuse for him to leave him awake or leave him in the pod and be alive. So why is he in the pod? It's either he didn't get to him. Maybe he was being selective on who he killed. Maybe he knew that uh, Bowers was actually important to the ship running. Who knows? Like, I think that there's certain there are certain aspects to it that they wanted to leave open. Cause... But it's not even leaving open. It's just it's an unanswered thing that they brought up. It is up. an unanswered thing. I'll just say this right now, just to help you with that. Pandorum was supposed to be the first film in a proposed trilogy. So maybe in the next films, they're meant to be answering these questions. Well, that fucking ruins my goddamn oh. theory. Pretending that doesn't okay. exist, I have a good All right, theory. Let's okay. hear let's your go. theory. Well, well, yeah, what's your theory? I want to hear Robbie's theory, though. So first. my theory about it is a lot of it has to do with, like you said, with uh, paranoia and the and the whole not knowing what's going on and therefore you just come up with these crazy theories in your head on what's going on even if it's accurate or not because you're not sure exactly what's going on so because you feel like you need to know in order to survive the situation you start making up theories that make sense to you in your sense of paranoia on what is actually happening therefore some of the things like like you were saying before 
on, you know, there was like the whole fear of isolation at first because he's completely alone. He can't find anybody. And once he finally finds somebody, that fear goes away. It goes in the next one of the, that fear of um, claustrophobia and not being able to escape out of the situation. Like it just goes through all these different layers of fear as he's going along and he, him just trying to justify everything that's going on while it's happening. For me, uh, one of my biggest things is I do believe that those creatures were real. I don't think that they're, like you're saying, like it's a flawed system on uh, them being mutated people that are, like their systems hyper-evolved to become cannibalistic and almost like a sci-fi Wendigo. I don't think that that was the case. What I think it was, since apparently they crash-landed on this planet proposably 800 years ago, at some point, some human-like creatures that lived on that planet before realized like this giant ship crashed on it and eventually they decided they're going to go and they were going to explore it and realize that there was a food source there and so they stayed. And so that's where I think those creatures actually came from and that they're just... That'd be awful because that means movie two, they're dealing with the exactly, same shit. Exactly, they're dealing just... with the same shit. They're just dealing with it on land instead of inside of an isolated ship. I could see a theory of like it's still evolution but it's basically like an alternate Earth. Like what if almost humans happened but they didn't get past a certain point? I kind of see them almost like they're almost humans, but they're more of like a tribalistic feral creature of humans because it's not quite Earth, but it's Earth-like. Kind of like these creatures, they're not human, but they're human-like. Yeah. So, and that's it. the way that I look at it. That's that's a very good, well-rounded theory. Yeah. So let's hear yours, Time Rocky. to take a smoke out of the pipe Rocky's been <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's one of those, like, they left a bunch of unanswered things unanswered on purpose because they wanted to talk about it maybe in the later films. But, like, what would you even do? How would you answer any of those questions in sequels? <laughs> Maybe they are, because I'm sure room. by, or by movie two, they remember everything, and therefore he can explain how he knew Gallows, how he knew that he did what he did, or did, like how he was able to see Peyton's wife and realize, like, this isn't Peyton, he just took Peyton's pod and slept in it, kind of thing, and like, why he yeah, knew all these things. Yeah, they could have built off his character. Because that was the whole yeah, idea of yeah. the film, is like, when they wake up with amnesia, they're not sure who they are, or where they are, or what's happening, they just have to try to guess what's going on and therefore they're trying to piece it together in this first movie by the second movie they know it and they can start to explain it more can we can we hear rocky's theory now because i am really sorry, curious sorry. go on rocky okay so i don't think there was any monsters i think what happened was everybody started waking up at the same time and people lost their shit and started killing each other reason i think this is because they did look at the skin suit that they were wearing in the pods and they showed it once and never again. And I'm wondering if you're suffering from extreme paranoia and you see people in these weird fucking skin suits walking around, your mind might play you like, oh shit, those are monsters and they're eating everybody. So I need to kill these fucking monsters. And so they go to the reactor where they see all these dead or these people nesting. But then you hear this story about how one guy goes ape shit insane, drags people out of pods and was playing God with them. And I'm thinking, yeah, if you saw a bunch of dead bodies underneath the reactor... Like, oh, yeah, these are the monsters. And then I think that he injected everyone out into space and that he made up that shit about there being an ocean. The paranoid thought of Pandora made him think that they were in an ocean when in reality they were actually out in space and he just killed everybody. Yeah, if this wasn't a supposed trilogy, I think that could be a really interesting way to think about this movie. Yeah, yeah. the trilogy fucks up my my (laughs) thing. I was actually going to go one step further. I was going to say that... I think Peyton is actually the dude. That's what I was going to say. They're the same too. guy. I thought like it was a um, trilogy of the same dude. <laughs> well, that's what well, I, I think that with my crackpot theory, that's now even more crackpot because it's <laughs> supposed to be a trilogy, uh, that he's the same dude as Peyton. 
that there's actually no difference between oh. them. Um, and that it's actually not an event outside of that first event they talked about, about Pandorm. It's actually that being played by the guy who launched everyone out into space. And his way of justifying it to himself. Yeah, because he's just a broken dude. So he's like set up all these imaginary characters and he's running around the ship like a fucking madman. That is a way better movie. Well, I got to entertain myself. But also, like you said, like <laughs> that's kind of the whole idea of this movie, though, is like it's paranoid and you don't know what's going on. So your mind starts creating reasons why all this is happening. You're not supposed to know what's going on, but that's part of the paranoia of it. But like, that's the thing. I don't think that it... I think for the most part, it's really straightforward for what's actually happening. And then the last five minutes, they're like, here's all this information. And he knows this. He knows this. He knows this. They know this. This is what's happening. And then it's not just like. It is setting up for a sequel. Now that you bring that up, like, yeah, it makes sense that they would say all that because it's setting up for a sequel. But as it's not a sequel, it's a standalone film, it makes people be like, well, actually what's happening in this movie because we're yeah. just not given the info. And so people have to make stuff up to make it not suck ass. That's, That's the depressing far. reality. <laughs> that also being said, the main second. reason why there's actually not or why there's not a trilogy to it is because, like, like I said, this movie was on a tighter budget than you would think. Uh, it was on a budget of $33 million for a sci-fi flick with CGI that, that's supposed to be on this ship that's housing 60,000 people. That's a pretty tight budget. Man, you could have made three Powerpuff Girl good movies for, for that price. <laughs> if this was animated, it probably would have been a lot cheaper. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> also, Dry would probably have less problem with the cinematography. No, I think he'd have more problem if it was animated. I, I would have more problem because they have literally Could no you excuse. imagine if it was the same cinematography? Well, that's the thing. Like, they wouldn't have to, like, do all these substitute shots in it in order to, like, make it seem like a, a huge ship or to make the action scenes feel the way that they did. They'd be able just to animate it the way they, they want to animate though, it. They would, though, because it'd be the same director. Yeah. Yeah, so he'd still have the same ideas, so it'd still be shitty and then have no excuse on being shitty. Anyways, the budget of this movie was $33 million. But box office wise, it only made twenty or twenty million dollars. So the movie flopped. It's a big old yeah. flop. That's why there's no second movie and why there's no third movie. I'm well, surprised it flops because it's it hard to make like... a sci-fi movie with thirty-three. Million, I think though. it's because a lot of more uh, a lot more people probably. Well, I don't think the critics liked it. There probably were a lot of people who agreed with Dry on this movie too. Uh, well, I'm interested. What did the critics say? I'd have to pull up an actual critics. Yeah. On it, I'm actually kind of surprised because this kind of feels like a very like summer blockbuster type movie. That I think it does was pretty me- well and doesn't a lot of people hate, but still makes a million dollars. I mean, this came out in 2009, right? Yeah, that's the same time that the first Star Trek reboot movie came out. Also, we're kind of recovering from the financial crisis. Now that I think about it, there were a lot of good movies around this time. Actually. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't help. And I was gonna say probably a lot of them probably overshadowed this movie. The movie was actually originally planned to be shot or on a video as a low-budget feature for $200,000 in an abandoned paper mill with unknown actors until Impact Pictures read the script and showed interest. Writer Travis Milloy never thought it would be considered as a studio project because of its dark tone, but they picked it up. See, so, here's the other thing that I have that's a problem with the movie. It feels like they got two ideas, both involving Pandorum, two script ideas, and then they mashed the two together. Yeah. And that might have been it, too. Because... Peyton slash Gallo story feels like it could have been a really cool, interesting indie movie just and by then, itself. Yeah. yeah. And then the other guy's story, I just, his name is escaping my brain. Bauer. Bauer. Yeah. I can't uh, think of Bowers feels like it's a completely different movie that also involves Pandorum and it's a whole different tone too. They don't mix at all. And just the fact that they only talk to each other for five minutes through the whole thing. And then there's this yeah. huge thing to where they're supposed to know each other at the end. Like, it feels like they mashed two scripts together. 
Yeah. And that is quite possible. They, it could have been like, that's what the original movie was, was just following Peyton in this one room by itself. That would have been a fucking cool movie yeah. if they did that. It, with $200,000, that's probably all they could have afforded was just like Peyton's storyline to it. But it could have been like, oh, now instead of $200,000, we have $33 million to work this. And so like, all right, and then with Impact Pictures getting into it, they probably would have been like, oh, well, we need to add this and this and this then. That's very possible. That, that is pretty, very possible. Also, I was watching this whole movie and being like, yeah, this is like a 90s movie. But then there's also, like, there could have been the sense of, like, with them wanting this to be a trilogy, that they could have just set it up in, within a sense of, oh, like, we'll just explain this in the second movie. And then that second movie never happened. I mean, that's always dumb, though. That that does happen, though. Like, there's a lot of movies that they're yeah, I think it's sequels. Dumb. It is dumb. Even if you get wrong. a sequel, I think that's a bad idea. I think every movie... I would have watched a sequel to this. I, I, I probably would have, too. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's a good idea to try to force a sequel, because you don't know if you're going to get one like in this case where it didn't it's it's tricky you definitely want to make a standalone movie but if you have intentions to make a sequel you're you're especially if you're really get invested in the story you do want the the two to tie yeah. together so it, it does become a tricky balance I mean, for sure but yeah i agree you do want it to be a standalone like there's ways movie. like you can hint at some of that stuff i think something that could improve is if like uh Bo- bauer didn't like just straight up call out the Gallo. Yeah, Gallo. Yeah, I, I don't. Think I think he probably sh- it wouldn't have been as interesting, just like straight up calling him out and being like, "I know everything." I think you could hint at that, and then in a sequel could expand upon that. But I think the fact that he like threw all their like eggs in this basket kind of didn't work. And that might have yeah, been in, in that sense it did for yeah, sure. Yeah, they probably just like were hoping that it was going to work and like, oh yeah, if this works out, then we'll get the rest of the movies. But it just never happened. Um, and you know how I said like there were a lot of movies around that time that were really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't a whole lot of good movies that came out in September of two thousand nine. Honestly, um, actually, I just saw this. I w- I'm googling a thing because I was very curious. Guess what it opened against? Avatar. No. What no. year was Avatar? Twenty twelve, I think. Yeah, oh, I'm off. Um, it opened up the same exact day as Zombieland. Oh, oh, well, yep. That, that hugely yeah. successful, super funny, irreverent movie that came out in 2009. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah that, that kind of... <laughs> that does make sense. And uh, guess what else it opened up with? Paranormal Activity. Oh. A, yeah, that's another super successful movie. A movie that had a way better ad campaign, cost way less money, and according to a fact that Robbie told me very recently, is the highest grossing movie according to budget uh yeah I was, it's the highest uh uh return investment movie is what it was yeah so that, that movie opened up the same weekend as those two giant movies yeah well yeah that's gonna fuck you and that that also being <laughs> said i didn't even know about pandorum until it was already out on video like, two closest thing that are, things that it reminds me of are event horizon and uh dead space and i think that event horizon and dead space do the same exact things that this does but better but you mean like dead space the game though it's really hard to compare a movie but just like story-wise of like having a character going crazy throughout the whole thing i think it just does a better job with the writing and showing that that's happening and then event horizon does a way better job of having like there's this crazy shit happening on this ship in the middle of nowhere and all of it's starting to go down and then the person that you think you trust the whole movie you actually can't trust i would like to know some snippets of what some critics said this first thing I was going like to say, I was reading through the facts, or like the little fun facts about this. Travis Malloy, uh, uh, Milloy, the guy who wrote the script, originally wrote a script which was set on a prison ship 
The characters Nadia and Nan were inmates, Bauer was a non-prisoner who didn't trust anyone, but the producer gave the script to director Christian Albert, who was shocked by the similarities of his own screenplay titled Nowhere, his dramatic story about four astronauts aboard a settler ship who suffer from amnesia. Albert decided that they should weld the two screenplays together, and the produ- uh, and uh, with the producers, and Malloy agreed. So you're right. This actually was two scripts that were just mashed together, and they're like, yeah, we'll make it work. That's why it feels like it's two scripts mashed together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see go. that first movie. That sounds neat. Yeah. <laughs> Like, both of them by themselves would probably work. Like, uh, with Bowers being a non-prisoner and then Nadia and Mann being prisoners and them having to work together to get off of the ship. Or the other one, the director, whose his original script is, I'm guessing is what pretty much what uh, Gallo's story was. So both of them by themselves would probably make comparable movies, but they just mashed them both together. That Actually, neither really has the, like, creature aspect to it, does it? No, I think they just added it as a way to add tension to the movie. Some fucking dickhead producers like needs ghouls. <laughs> Zombies need... are I'll in. I'll give right you thirty three mil, but I want to see some ghouls. What else you got for us, Robbie? So I, I guess the only other thing I could think of, there actually is a Facebook group that is trying to push for a sequel on this movie, and I guess the original directors and writers of this movie uh, are part of that group of because it has gained a cult classic following since it came out. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, being a cult classic doesn't mean you have <laughs> because to because despite the fact that film. you don't like it, it means that other people do. <laughs> Yeah, if you remember Mr. Cartier. It's a good movie. I do like the movie. I want critic reviews, Robbie. I'm trying to find it. Just go to Rotten Tomatoes. The first bad critic's choice is uh, it achieves a strong sense of scale, but characters and ideas are lost amidst a mess of fight scenes that oddly look like outtakes from The Descent. There are some well-executed scenes, but the story makes nothing but a mess of its borrowed ideas. Uh-huh. Action and mayhem full of gibbering hominoids, hanging corpses, and a few live stars. Uh-huh. This all feels like what my brain is telling me. I mean, it's one of those things. I think that me and Rocky just keep on justifying the flaws of this movie because it has to deal with you the You keep leaving me idea. out. I would like to know. I like this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you keep you guys keep like putting a wall up. And I'm not and I'm trying to but climb all... it to reach you guys, but you're just <laughs> you're not doing, letting me cuz you're you doing nothing pu- to defend you, our points. You keep kicking me. You're doing nothing to defend our points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah since we're leaving you out go ahead and i don't like, know yeah, it's just tell, tell us your thoughts i like the movie <laughs> i thought it had a I, again i thought it had a lot of cool things and while i don't think it quite did it as much as i think it could i think it, a lot of the ideas were really like nice and it, i don't know if it's just because i don't watch a lot of sci-fi stuff but like i think it was really cool i i really like the peyton's character i think he really i think he's probably one of the like i I do still think Man's the best character, but I think Payton's a really interesting character to follow. And I think just the dichotomy of a lot of characters is really cool to see. And really, the only issue I have is the creatures. I think they're underbaked. I they think... kind of, the creatures sometimes feel like a secondary thought. Yeah, they're meant to be a secondary thought to just the paranoia of, what, of not knowing what's going on. Yeah, it's just a justification thing to put some tension into it. It was, because even whenever we read about how these are two scripts mashed together, both those scripts work without the monsters. Both of them put together work without the monsters. The uh, Peyton and the Bowser, Bowser, yeah. Is that the guy? That's that's the real story. That's the thing that that you go to see. And that that is very interesting. I I will say that I actually enjoyed watching those two characters. Yeah. Um, I I thought that they they were good for the movie. I wish they had more back and forth. Um, I think that would be really good. Yeah, I didn't mind the monsters. 
they weren't amazing, but I also wasn't expecting a lot. I don't know? think I didn't. They kind of feel like an afterthought. I'll be honest. Like it's one of those like they're an apex predator, and you know, there's the fear of having an apex predator chasing you. I get that whole idea of it, but other than that, like there's not a whole lot of depth to what they are. They're just feral creatures that are eating the crew members. Yeah, and like if something is going to go into cannibalism with like a giant group of things doing cannibalism thing, like. I would rather have it just be super, super dark and not try and be an action movie. Yeah, I didn't like the action part. I uh, I really, really loathe the fight scene between Mon and that creature. The part where he throws Mon the spear. Honor. Like, this, yeah, it destroys the temple for what these creatures are. I think are. the idea Completely is like they're still human underneath, but like, I think are. Mon should have just fought him barehanded. He was going yeah, yeah, to. He was about to. He could have done it. Yeah, He's the he's... coolest character. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say the kid killing him is not canon. I don't care that's in the movie <laughs> and it's canon. It's not canon. Like, here's the thing. With it having this cult following that you're talking about and the directors being fully aware of all the cult following and the writers, like, I'm afraid that they would lean into all of these theories about the movie and make it exactly what people want it to be, which I think would kill the following of it. I think half the fun of the movie, especially for Rocky and you, like just looking at like how you guys are talking about it, half the fun of it is you guys like coming up with these theories and having fun with it and like making it your own kind of thing, really. That's fair. And I think if a sequel were made, they would try and lean into that more and more and it would destroy whatever theories you had because they would go for some of it and then not for others. And it would it would make it to where some of your theories are right and you'd be like, cool, but then the other ones aren't. And so your theories aren't fully supported because some of it's true and some of it isn't. The, you know, I will say that it has a point because uh, I feel like the real thing that probably catches my interest is the underlying mystery behind yeah. the movie, which probably is going to be reduced to that. Eh, it was a lot of shitty <laughs> decisions, <laughs> but it does play out as if there is a big mystery. And I think that's what does catch my attention. Well, they just say the movie. screw the audience. And it's just like the first scene is them hitting the like escape thing. And then it's just like the ship floating for like <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> you like, can make that movie with ten bucks right now. Because, like, here's the thing: if they just went off of what I am sure their original ideas would have been for the second movie, it's going to be them surviving on the island and having to deal with feral creatures again. But like, start a war probably, and it'll go into more action and less horror. What if it's just like a slice of life, yeah. and it's just them living on the island? No, because like, here's the thing: a lot in a lot of ways, if this were to have become a series. Just from some of the tone of it, it reminds me a lot of, like, Pitch Black and the Riddick stuff. Of Like, it probably would have gone more in, like, the Chronicles of Riddick direction. I and see that. less in the horror. Because just like in Pitch Black, like, the creatures are secondary to everything else that's going on, really. Yeah, because a lot of our, well, without getting too much into the whole Pitch Black thing, a lot of the tension kind of goes with, like, whether they can actually trust this guy who's a convicted criminal or not. I think a lot of it would have been that. Yeah. Let's give it a number here. What do you guys think? So I will agree it's not a perfect movie. There's a lot of things that they did weirdly and did wrong. I I still think highly of this movie, and it probably is because of the mystery and how it kind of has the sense of, like, you kind of make up what you think the right answer is because nobody really knows what the right answer is. So it is flawed, but it's, like, flawed in, in, my, in my sense. It's kind of flawed in a good way. So I'd just give it, like, a 7.5, maybe an 8 out of 10. E, what do you think? I am going to give it a 7. Uh, I, I, I just really like it. Like some of it's just me just kind of swiping the stuff I don't like under the rug and just being okay <laughs> I, with the stuff I do like. Yeah. And that's kind of 
shows whether you like a movie or not is whether or not yeah. like you either like if you can look past the bad things in it yeah, and still like, enjoy the movie. There's a good movie in here and I well I wish there was some stuff they did do more. I'm okay with this movie. Do I think I'd watch it again? Probably not, but I'd still would say a 7. Okay. And uh Rocky, what do you think? I mean, honestly, I probably would have given it a 9 and then you kind of made me realize that a big thing that really pulls me in because i got so lost and trying to make my own movie out of this fucking thing (laughs) (laughs) so with what what you said in mind i think i would drop it down to an eight because i wouldn't watch this movie for what it is i i watch this movie for the relationship it has with me yeah so i think i'm gonna really surprise you guys here with this one coming way out of left field a seven wow (laughs) (laughs) i give it a four okay that makes sense for you. you think it's I think it's a bit a, below average. Yeah, I think it is a bad movie. Some of the like Dennis Quaid, like he's great. Obviously, his performance is good, but just having my thoughts on it felt like two scripts mashed together and just horrible budgetary restrictions and them not having faith yeah. in their own effects and anything like that. Like knowing all of that and I was just right <laughs> makes me, I don't know, salty. I guess. <laughs> I would have rather had it have been all, like, artistic decisions, but it wasn't that. It was that they were held back, and they did all the things I thought they did, and that makes me just think they made tons and tons of bad decisions. They probably did make a lot of bad decisions, but like I said, this movie had a budget of $33 million. To put that in perspective, end of days, that's three Powerpuff Girls movie, (laughs) or it's about a third of end of days. End of days had a budget of $100 million. What was the budget of Alien? The original Alien? This movie is better this than This movie End of looks days. better than Yeah, this movie is very much Yeah, this movie's better than End of Days. It yeah. is it's better in every way than End of Days. I would watch this again before I watch End of Days again. So like, the original Alien movie in nineteen seventy nine had a budget of eleven million dollars. So that after in today's money probably goes up to about thirty three, right? So it's the same. Budget, I gotta roughly pull up another ca- calculator for that. Pull one. up the calculator. Oh man! But if I actually had to say which one was a better movie, I mean, Alien easily oh, ten thousand percent. Yes. Yeah, easily. Yeah. That would be the same as almost forty million dollars in today's oh, money. Okay, that's still pretty comparable. Well, I guess though. I should go to two thousand nine. Actually, it would have been about the same. Actually, thirty two mil- or thirty two and a half million. Yeah, so. same budget. So Pandorum should feel like shit. Slightly less, actually. I mean, if you removed, like, the the creatures, I think you could be like, yes, this looks really good. Yeah, if it just didn't show what they were running away from, then that would make your guys' theories 10,000 times better. But you fucking see them. No, to be fair, my theory is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a crackpot theory. Yeah, they're not even creatures. They're just straight-up cannibals. All right. I'm we all like or dislike another... this movie for different reasons, it seems like. For sure. We're, we're getting closer and closer to just diagnosing me with face unseeability. Blindness what? is the word. This is really what this podcast <laughs> what is What is blindness in the inability to see, though? <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> so if you guys want to get a hold of us or just follow us anywhere, we're on Twitter, Last One's In, Facebook, The Last One's In Podcast, or if you want to shoot us an email, let us know anything. Hey, maybe give us your opinion on a movie too. Our email is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. And uh, that's going to do it for us on this pretty long episode. Next month, we have another theme month. It's going to be anti love movies. All anti love. What? Yeah. I thought it was pro love. No. 
It's going to be four movies, anti-love. We got them lined up already. We know what they're going to be. I don't. We are. I know what they're going to be. <laughs> we are very excited to watch them. I am very excited for E to watch them because he does not like romance. Nope. Well, that's, these are anti-love movies. Yeah. So it's, we'll see what happens. You like them. But thank you guys for listening to us again and keeping this podcast going. We'll talk at you again next week. Have a good one. Bye. Later. Toodaloo. And we hear this message coming over through voiceover. I think that's coming from you, Rocky. I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, Is the blender currently going on? How distracting is that noise? (laughs) All. It must be pretty distracting. The answer is yes. (laughs) It caused all of us to stop. Yeah, like for a half a second I thought Liz decided she was going to take a shower. Well, um, unfortunately... We are in the winter here, and that is the heating system. Ah, okay. okay. I we, cannot we, win on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it happens. We, we can edit around this. Okay. Really? How do you edit that out? We just mute your audio track when that happens. Noise canceling, all that jazz. So just when that's happening, don't talk. That also being said, like this entire conversation we're having is probably going to just get cut. It will. I doubt it.